warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 318. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And where are the leftovers? Yeah, Jake got a little bit of a uh, little chest cold going on. I do, I do. So my voice may be even more deeper than usual. Oh, so, but I, I'm here. I don't really feel bad. It's just a little bit of coffee, cough, sneezy, sneeze here and there. Coffee, cough, sneezy, sneezy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should exactly. be writing jingles for fucking Nightquill. <laughs> That'd be awesome. You make some good money, man. Like Barry mm-hmm. Manilow made a killing doing that stuff. Barry Manilow. Yeah, he he did like the Band Aid theme and the State Farm theme, and oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the Jello one, I think, might have been him as well. Yeah, huh? J E L L O. Oh man, <laughs> fucking genius. Anyway, definitely, uh, Jello definitely wants to separate themselves from Bill Cosby at this point, don't you think? <laughs> oh, definitely. I think they were way ahead of their time. It seemed like they made that decision at the perfect time. Like you, you don't even. Even long before all the accusations, well, not even accusations, but, you know, the stuff was mentioned that they'd pulled away. It felt like those were really retro, the Pudding Pop commercials. Oh, Pudding Pop commercials. Oh, man. Hey, we're not alone this week. (laughs) We're joined by uh, Stephanie Chapman. Welcome back, Stephanie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Is there there still room for Jell-O, Stephanie? Always room for Jello. Mm. As long as Bill Cosby's not giving it to me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, take that shit to the lab. Here, Stephanie, take this Jello shot. Mm. <laughs> Jello shots. Oh, man. Jeez. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, oh, I don't know how this episode's going to go. I had a, I, I ate a big steak earlier. Huge. Nice. Did you cook it yourself? Cooked it myself. That's awesome. Well, how do you like your steaks? Uh, I oh god, I like mine uh, m- medium, well, uh, medium rare. 
I like them. Okay. I like I like I like a little bit. I like red. I like a lot of red actually. A lot of pink. Yeah. A lot of pink. Yeah. yeah. Me as well. Me as well. I think anyone that's well done is a savage. Oh God, yeah, it's terrible. It, you're cooking all the nutrients out of them. <laughs> it's so good, well done. Oh no! Oh, ew, no. God, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you eat a boot? Like like that old Charlie Chaplin fucking that old Charlie Chaplin short where he eats that boot. It's you might as well just eat leather at that point. I'm, I'm freaked out by like pink or any blood. Like I feel like the cow's still present with me, so I need it to be cooked and like even if it's got a little like burnt on it, like give it to me. I don't. I can't. No, I gotta have a little pink. I gotta have it a little pink. Yeah, I just. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Fucking, uh, just the, the well done. I, I had, I had a, my ex-wife used to get them well done because that's the way her family would eat them. And so I, uh, I introduced her to, uh, medium rare and she was like, holy shit. She never had a medium rare. <laughs> blown away. Blown away how good it was. <laughs> the yeah, texture I thought... feels better that way. The, the way medium rare or like medium at least. I feel like the, it's, it's not as chewy. I'll, I'll give you that. Even though that's not what you said. But yeah, I, yeah I, I don't know. I like it. I like it to look like uh, those videos on the on the medical channel where they're fucking digging into their <laughs> bodies. <laughs> I find the well done to be more gross than like the medium. Like it's like gray and long since dead. Like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you th- nobody wants their fruit like well done like yeah this this apple's been out here for a long time (laughs) all squishy yeah man you want that shit ripe do you how do you like your bananas do you like it we're back on bananas yeah do you like your bananas like with like a little bit of green or do you like them like right there right before they're ready to go into like banana bread no i'm right before they go into banana bread really i like them right after the green goes away so like prime banana like, i don't like green but like right after that i have to eat it and that's like a one or two day span and then i otherwise i throw them out i think i like them right in between where jake likes them and where you like them like right in between that little sweet spot there yeah makes sense makes sense okay. i don't even mind if they have a bruise or two if they're just right there in that oh. almost banana bread area do you eat the bruise or do you cut it off i usually eat it unless it just looks really terrible oh i can't eat the bruise i can't <laughs> Oh, uh, it's like that's like that's like fruit scabs or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might not be able to eat them anymore. Uh, did you ever have kids in your school eat their scabs? Like you catch them eating their scabs? <laughs> yeah. Yes. What the fuck, man? <laughs> we had kids we specifically made fun of because we we caught him doing that. Like that that stuck with them for like six seven years. You know? <laughs> I know those mistakes that you make as a child just stick with you forever. <laughs> I, I I need a fo- I have a follow up question. Yeah, Would the kid like peel it off with his finger and then like with his fingers and then put it in his mouth. That's what, that that's that's uh, that's how you eat a scab. I'm I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you put it in a fucking shake. You know what I mean? <laughs> I meant like if you've got a scab on like your arm or something, like you, like you're gnawing on your arm because kids are gross. So like you know oh. what I mean, like. Yeah. Uh, no, no, this is not like, you know, like you're, you're eating it like it's like, like a, like a turkey leg right off the bone. Like, I, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, they, they, they were surgically picking them off of their skin and then observing them for a moment. Cause you gotta, you gotta oh. take a look at it first, right? 
and yeah, then yeah. and and then it's time to dive into the delicacy, which is your fucking body trying to heal itself. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking gross, man. Yeah, it is gross. <laughs> I, I've, I I may be guilty of picking a scab or two, but I've never done step three of putting <laughs> it in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are there there's a, just a few steps. Jake has not finished with the last one. Yeah, I did step two, you know, look at it and, you know, try to medically diagnose it, but uh, <laughs> didn't put it in my mouth. This feel, I guarantee it's probably like one of those, uh, remember that addiction show, like My Strange Addiction? I guarantee, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I guarantee you there's probably some like 45-year-old woman in fucking Nantucket that's fucking eating her scabs or some <laughs> shit. And they, oh. did, and they did a whole fucking half-hour special on her. That's like, like Goldmember from the Austin Powers movies. Like that was his thing. He had like a Altoids tin oh, that's collection right. of them. Oh, I forgot about that. And he did eat them. And he did eat. Them. And he would tease you that he was going to eat it. Like it would like <laughs> kind of like in and out. Like is it going to fully go into his mouth? And then he did, and everybody was grossed out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's got to be based off something. There that's- has to be people that are doing this. That's got to be something that you leave off a dating profile, right? You know what I mean? That's like, you know. No, it's, not, it's good to be honest. <laughs> Honesty's great, man. But, like, that's one of those things, like, you don't want to, like, throw – you don't want to divulge that information out there. That's something that – oh, man. Can you <laughs> – If you do divulge that information, do you show the picture of your tent of scabs? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't – that sounds like, like, showing off the tent of scabs sounds more like kind of like a uh, – uh, a place where people that do that show off their scabs. You know what like I mean? Like a special Facebook group? Yeah, kind of like, you know, like hunters with their deer and they're like, ah, look at this buck or whatever the fuck. And then they're like, look at the fucking antlers on this bitch. And then like this, this is their version of that where they're showing off their scabs. And they, hey, look at the look at the bumps on this one. Yeah, they're like holding oh. it up. They got it like on one of those fucking like uh, wooden plaques and shit. Like this is my... <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing home the trophy this year, baby. Oh. Know, maybe you'll meet that special someone that also likes to eat scabs. We went eat each other's scabs. Oh God, oh. Yeah, you can sixty nine the fuck out of each other's scabs. <laughs> fucking scabby nine. We went from talking about eating steak to fucking eating scabs. <laughs> How do you like your scabs? Oh man, I like them. Just a little bit of Italian seasoning and some olive oil. <laughs> I mean, if I have to eat them, I didn't know seasoning was on the table. Oh, yeah, dude. A little bit of Italian seasoning and olive oil, maybe a pinch of sea salt. I'm good to go. Oh, yeah. Now, now you're kind of selling me. <laughs> okay. Let's jump into this week's iTunes reviews. It's one Jake, you know, I've told you many a time off air that my favorite iTunes reviews are the ones that really don't get into, you know, their enjoyment of the podcast or where and when they listen to our podcast and things like that. It's more of the let's talk about more pop culture shit that should go in an email. Let's talk about that in the old iTunes review. 
Oh yeah, that's an all time classic. And I love never it. never gets old. And I love him to be huge, just huge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just long ass drawn out iTunes reviews. What's up with that? You think these people don't understand email yet? You think that's where that comes from? I don't know. I don't. I'm not knocking it. It's a five star, so that's great. So thank you very much for that. I don't know. Maybe it was one of those. I don't. Is it? Is it trickery? Is it trickery where they know that I'm going to read these things? So now I got to. Now I'm forced to read this on air. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, they don't read very many emails anymore. But if I send it in an iTunes review, yeah. Dude, that you nailed the voice of our listener there. <laughs> <laughs> I've met enough of them. I felt like I was in the room with one as they're eating their scab and typing away, <laughs> writing an iTunes review. This one comes from Mama's old gal. And uh, Mama's old gal. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out, too. Mama's old gal. I, I don't know, but I guarantee you there's a sex... There's some sexism going on with that somewhere, right? Mama's I don't know. Old. It sounds like something like you call your your like dog or something. Like it's Mama's old gal. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? It does. That's it. It totally sounds like that. That's Mama's old gal. <laughs> <laughs> Laying over there in the corner. Yeah, it's like a chubby three-legged dog. That's Mama's old gal. <laughs> I saw a video on Reddit yesterday, and it was pretty inspiring. It was awesome. It was a dog that only had two legs, one in the front, one in the back, and it was just running. Oh, wow. I was like, that's fucking awesome. It's a, isn't it crazy how animals can just adapt to to about anything? Like, you see these, you know, pictures of cats that, like, lose their eyesight, and they're fine. Or You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, just, they're just a lovable cat. I don't even – it doesn't even bother them. Uh, you fucking dogs lose a leg, a limb, and they're fine. They're wagging their tail and eating fucking Alpo and shit and just loving life. Dude, if I fucking lost my fucking little pinky toe, I would fucking, I would, I would be wrecked. Dark depression spiral. Uh, yeah, I would be wrecked. <laughs> I would be fucking wrecked. It's a, animals are, animals are amazing. <laughs> it's our new I wish I just had animal mentality. You know, when it came to certain things like that, animals just don't care. Animals don't give a yeah, shit. They don't know depression. It seems like they don't really know depression for the most part. They just kind of brush it off. Well, they do if the if their owner treats them like shit. You can see. I've definitely seen some sad animals out there. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Sarah McLaughlin's singing about them all the time on that fucking commercial. <laughs> I, I, you know that 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 commercial, it breaks my fucking heart. I can't I can't watch it. It just breaks my fucking heart. Yeah, I couldn't do it yeah, either. I, I, channel. I haven't seen like this modern version of it, but I, I remember those kind of commercials back in the day. And yeah, oof, yeah, it's sad. In the arms of the angel, and, uh, is that is that the song? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Jeez. Anyway, uh, this oh, it's oh, it's titled "Mama's Old Gal." It's not from Mama. Why is it titled, titled "Mama's Old Gal"? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> well, all that material was for nothing. I know it's it's by T, it's, it's by T Wolf's fan. It's titled "Mama's Old Gal," the old dog, the old dog. So, that, so we're the we're the mama's old gal. We are the mama's old gal. <laughs> Holy shit, Jake! 
Oh man, that was a twist. Yeah, it's a fucking who, who wrote this? Christopher Nolan? Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's fucking M Night Shyamalan writing in fucking reviews for our show. <laughs> Anyway, uh, hey PCL, love the pod. I can honestly say I don't care about most of the shows and movies you cover. Wow, they're off to a great start here. <laughs> uh, just kidding, but seriously, I do not care about most of the material on this pod. <laughs> the reiteration. Yeah, I know. There's a doubling down. Thank you. Uh, what keeps me coming back is the thing that all great podcasts have, and that's your excitement and fandom over the material on here. It's the type of conversations I enjoy having with my friends when you see a great movie or something you're excited to watch. Of the content I am aware of, I always have something to add, but since I'm usually listening alone, I just say it out loud or whisper into my briefcase. If I get behind... I I don't know. what, what Whisper into... It's a little creepy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm... A little creeped out here. If I get behind or miss a couple episodes, it's always a podcast I'm excited to come back to. In general, the show seems to be higher on Marvel than me, but I do some do enjoy some of the things they've done. Iron Man, Captain America, First Avenger, Civil War, Doctor Strange, and the Netflix Daredevil among them. My one hot take that no one will care about or read. No, I'm forced to read it here. T-Wolf's fan. I was going to call her Mom's Old Gal, but that's us. <laughs> Uh, I recently watched DC's Green Lantern, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. It's from the director of Casino Royale. Many of the scenes look great visually. Reynolds and Skarsgård are both great in their roles. Some of that stems from it being a sillier concept to translate to screen for non-comic fans than, say, Iron Man or Batman. There were also some changes I'd make in regards to Hammond being infected by the yellow impurity of fear versus the flying screaming parallax head and swap out oh, and swap out the glowing costume though it is referenced in secret origin but overall i found it to be a truly fun comic book origin movie i would posit to the group my briefcase if this movie were in the mcu i would rank it in the top third of marvel movies which tend to be mostly second acts fetch quests and race to find insert mcguffin before old so-and-so I would certainly rank it over Captain Marvel, Iron Man 3, and Age of Ultron. Though I know there are some I have missed. Is this a nine-year-old movie? Yes. Is there a point to leaving this review here? Absolutely not. To Jake, Brian, Rebecca, Melissa, and all the other leftovers, keep up the great show. That comes from T-Wolf's fan. Yeah, boy, that was long-winded. <laughs> um, I don't know. If I were to consider Green Lantern as a Marvel movie, I think it might be the worst Marvel movie to me still. It, I, I did not like that movie at all. It was a little bit campy and laughable enjoy, enjoyable, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not good. Even Ryan Reynolds himself, you know, has accepted that it wasn't a great movie and jokes about it. And so, yeah, I don't know. But the, the whole thing, the, the, the whole Hot Wheels scene just drove me crazy when the rate, like the Green Lantern racetrack was just like, you gotta be kidding me here. Yeah. And I think I've said this in the podcast before, but when I saw this movie and his dad gives the thumbs up right before he blows up in his plane, our audience laughed at that. <laughs> yeah. You have said that before. <laughs> and so it's like, oops, that, that yeah. did not work. I mean, that, I know it's supposed to be like the, I was going to say, Mama's little girl or whatever. 
<laughs> but you know that it's supposed to be a bit more comical and and fantastic but ooh, it, it should work a little bit better than that with the drama of the origin of a character yeah yeah i guess we're just a little too high on marvel i don't know there's just i just enjoy i can't you know it's if you don't like them that's fine i just i just enjoy, I enjoy those movies right now maybe dc you'll get it right we'll find out you know i think they've done some good things with uh you know shazam i really loved i thought joker was fantastic and you know so we'll see We'll see what they do. Yeah, it's becoming more and more popular to uh, paint the Marvel movies as this like empire villain right now. I mean, with the Martin Scorsese stuff, and then just recently Quentin Tarantino making comments about it. It's like a even bigger platform to hate on the MCU. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, next one comes from uh, LSD thirty one. I see what they did there. It's E L L I S D E E. No, D-E. <laughs> I put too many E's. LSD-31. Oh, really? It's like with an E. I, I thought you were just saying LSD. No, no. It's E-L-L-I-S. L-S-D-D-E-E-31. LSD. Mm. Very, uh... That's trippy. <laughs> far out, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's titled Thanks. It's a five-star. Goes on to say, just wanted to show you guys some love. The podcast slaps. Brian, you just disappeared. I'm here. Oh. Yeah, I couldn't hear you for a minute. Well, I'm back. Now you can. <laughs> Until you said, well, I'm here, I didn't hear anything else. Okay. Well, uh, you didn't miss much. <laughs> that was a bad review, huh? No, I haven't finished it yet. It's uh, It goes on to say, the podcast slaps. Did I lose you again? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that time I figured you just stopped and was uh, just pretending that I couldn't hear you for comedic value. <laughs> well, it worked out that way, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> here. Yeah, like slaps, like a like a hot new pop song. Here we go. Oh, oh, and and one question: Have you guys ever seen the show on Netflix called Dark? It's a German TV show. I would love to hear your thoughts on this show. Peace, love, and chicken. Hmm. I have not. I have not. That I, outro was not quite clever enough, right? Uh, peace, love, and chicken? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to let that slide by. I, what, we got to get back to that. What's that all about? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's dark. On, uh, this is another one where it's like people are just asking us random questions in an iTunes review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen Dark? I, I, sure. st I started it on Netflix and I never finished it. It came out, I think, I sh think like shortly after Stranger Things and people were like, ah, oh, check this out. Or, or the OA, I can't remember. Everyone was like, check this out. And I heard it's good, but I just, I don't know. And it, it had subtitles and people were talking in German. And I was just like, it reminded me of like my German teacher in high school. And I was like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even heard of it. Yep. Those are the iTunes reviews this week. That's it. That's what we got. We're at the mercy of our iTunes reviewers, and that's what we got. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was a lot of work there. All those questions. <clears throat> yeah, I know. God. You're supposed to be reviewing us, not asking us questions. I know. God. Just be, yeah, tell us what you hate or love, and then fuck off. <laughs> <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> 
I'm, go pick your scabs. Go pick your scabs and eat them. Um, I got an email here uh, from Nathaniel. Do you think Nathaniel is it? Do do most Nathaniels just go by Nathan? No, I know a few Nathaniels. That they just go by Nathaniel. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I, I work with a guy that goes by Nathaniel. So nobody calls him Nathan or Nate. I mean, maybe sometimes I remember specifically asking him if he wanted me to call him Nate, and he was like, "Oh no, Nathaniel's what everyone calls me." Okay. Okay. I think we each their own. No, I, I think a high majority majority of them probably do just go by Nate or Nathan. Yeah, this is uh, definitely an interesting topic that we're covering. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. Um, hello, Brian and Jake. Uh, my name is Nathaniel, and I wanted to send you this email because I have recently found myself in back-to-back personal dilemmas, and your show has been getting me through these tough times. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, Jake, Rebecca, Neil, Dan, Paul, and everyone who has been on the show since episode 267 when I started listening. Wow, Stephanie. No love for you. I'll I'll get through it. No love. Didn't he say all the rest? I'm the rest. <sighs> and every yeah, he did put in everyone who's been on the show <laughs> since. But not he didn't call her out by name. And it's almost like he excluded her on purpose is what I'm <laughs> is what I'm kinda getting at here. Nathaniel, not a big fan of Stephanie is what I'm picking up. No, no, everyone has their thing, you know. Mm, Stephanie, do you have anything to say to this allegation? Um, Nathaniel can kick rock. Whoa! Wow. That escalated very quickly. Uh, Thank you. Uh, He goes on to say, thank you. You rock. Don't ever change. Uh, I hope uh, he, he and your other cat are in good health. Nobody knows the name of my other cat. His name's Cake. It's just in case people and your, other, and your cat. other cat are in good health. Uh, please give them a good petting and scratch behind the ear for me. I also have two cats, uh, Russian Siberians. Uh, I have attached a picture of them. Uh, the dark one is Marshall and the gray one is Mimi. And they are fucking adorable cats. So thank you, Nathaniel. And thank you for the email. Really appreciate that. Even though, awesome. even though you're not a big fan of Stephanie, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. <laughs> Stephanie's been, okay. She's not on every episode. Well, she's been on episodes since 267, and he didn't feel the need to put her out there by name. You know? Just throwing it out there. Yeah. I don't know. I'd feel a little... Stephanie does not make his Mount Rushmore of uh, PCL guests. No. Mm-mm. No. It, that would be <laughs> Rebecca, Neil, Dan, and Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good Mount Rushmore there, though. Uh... Oh, um, let's see here. I, uh, I just want to let everybody know that I'm still avidly. Is, that's a word, right? Avidly? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> I am still avidly watching Family Matters on Hulu. <laughs> they have the entire series, to my knowledge, on Hulu. And, uh, I watched, I watched an episode recently and it was, um, uh, Steve, Steve Urkel went out of town and his cousin came in. And, and was, and it was, uh, it was still Steve Urkel, but he was playing a female version and it was Myrtle Urkel. <laughs> I remember this. It was, it, it was amazing. And Myrtle, <laughs> Myrtle Urkel, 
just like Steve has a crush on Laura, Myrtle Urkel is in love with Eddie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was uh, like when she first laid eyes on Eddie, when Eddie walked in, this big handsome man walks into the house. She looked at him and she goes, holy chitlins, because she's like from the <laughs> South. And I fucking, I lost my shit. It was, oh, God. He, Julia White is so funny in this role. His physical comedy is some of the best I've ever fucking seen. I have just, I've been loving this rewatch. It is so good. Oh, man, that's hilarious. I had not even thought about that until you were describing this. But I think that character comes back a few times afterwards, too. I surely hope so, because I'm was. Ha- i having a great time watching this uh, Family Matters rewatch. It's so good. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, oh, and then uh, for people that are interested, uh, the movie that I filmed a role for is going to premiere May 1st. Um, I think it's May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, in Rockford, Illinois. And if you want information, if you want to go, uh, send me an email, Brian at Pop Culture Leftovers, and I'll send you the information to where you can purchase tickets. So just let me know. And uh, I will be there on May 1st to watch it because not, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever get a chance to see myself on the big screen. So this will be fun. Yeah. How could you not go? Yeah. Yep. So I'm looking forward to it. Just send me an email if you're interested in going, if you're close to Rockford or want to make the trip in. That's awesome. All right. Let's move on into this week's Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. got a few things I just want to bring up here real quick. I finally got to see, I, I was holding off on the Tenet trailer. The Christopher Nolan film. I was holding on off watching the official trailer until I could actually see it in the theater. Finally got to see it in the theater. So that was That's awesome. Time, right? Dude, it's been it's been out for over a fucking month, I think. And <laughs> it's like they were pulling it off the reel if they saw you come to the door. It's like yeah, it's not like I don't go to enough fucking movies. You th- <laughs> you think I would have seen this like sooner, but oh god, it looks so fucking good. It looks good. It looks batshit crazy. I can't wait to fucking watch this movie. Uh, also, real quick, I watched the. Uh, I guess it's it's a couple years old. It's a, it's, a, it's a show called The Burger Show. It's on Hulu. Have you guys heard of this? I, I don't know what it originally aired on. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So they got this. They got this guy who goes around and he some like he has a guest. The first episode that I watched, he had Adam Richman from uh, Man vs. Food on with them. He goes around. And he goes to different restaurants and eats burgers. And in the first episode, they go to these different places and they try these burgers. Some of these burgers just look amazing. They look amazing. But he ate he ate a two hundred and ninety five dollar burger. Whoa! What made it cost that much? Well, some of it goes to they use like okay, they do use like some of the finest ingredients. But on the flip side, like some of it does go to charity. Some of the profit goes to charity. But it's called. Um, Le Burger Extravagant, and they sell it at New York's Serendipity 3, and it contains Japanese Wagyu beef, 10-herb white truffle butter, smoked Pacific sea salt, 
18-month cheddar, shaved black truffles, a quail egg, and a white truffle buttered roll. It is also, uh, it also is, uh, served with a, uh, solid gold diamond encrusted toothpick that holds the burger together. Wow. Are you saving that toothpick if you get that burger? Yeah, can you keep it? Yeah, you can keep it. There's a fucking, I was looking, after this, I was like looking at like other things. Like there's a, like a $69 hot dog that's ridiculous. And then there's a, uh, a thousand dollar Sunday that comes in like this fucking crystal goblet or some shit. The seventy dollar hot dog made from only the finest lips and assholes. Yeah, shit. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's like that. That's basically eating a scab there, right? <laughs> fucking hot dog scab. Mm. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Man. I, I, I have to be. I, I don't know. I haven't eaten hot dogs in a long time. Yeah, I'm not the biggest hot dog guy, and if I do eat them, they have to be, like, drenched in chili. Mm. Oh, God, you hate your butthole, don't you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh. Oh, yeah, I watched, uh, Jake, you watched it, too, the new Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, Happy New Year's, Brian. Oh, God, <laughs> you're a little late, man. <laughs> it was a good episode. It was a great episode. I thought it was really uh, funny. I think it came yeah. out of, you know, it's like, you know, you always kind of like worry about these shows coming back, but I don't think you ever have to worry about Kirby enthusiasm coming back and not giving you great episodes. Same thing with like, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like when they come back, like both those shows are just strong as fuck. Yeah. This was a great premiere. Classic Kirby episode. I cracked up. I, I gasped when, uh, Larry and Cheryl looked up. Oh God, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, this is going to be bad. <laughs> oh, but they haven't addressed Super Dave yet. No, no, they really haven't. I, I was surprised that they didn't do that right away in the first episode. I wonder if they're going to do something with him this season, or like even at the end of the episode, I didn't see like a like an in memoriam or anything to him. Yeah, yeah, I love the uh, Mocha Joe storyline. It feels like that's going to be the season runner. Oh, I mean, yeah. I could be wrong about that. But. Yeah, it does. I, I was thinking the same, too, like with what they did last season as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. I'm so glad it came back. I The Jeff Garland Weinstein stuff was just incredibly funny. <laughs> they, Dude, he looked just like him, right? <laughs> yeah. The way they got his beard, like, <clears throat> yes, uh, it was hilarious. Yeah, like that so. salt and pepper kind of like, you know five o'clock shadow or whatever <laughs> yeah jesus garland is definitely dedicated to comedy if he's willing to uh let those jokes go <laughs> i was reading dark horizons and they had an article about uh kirby enthusiasm they said hbo president of programming casey bloy says that larry david's long running comedy essentially has a free pass to continue as long as david wants to keep making them Asked about the future of the series, which returns with its 10th season this week. Bloy said, he tells us when he is ready to go. If he tells us he wants to do more, we'll do more. There's nothing that would prevent more seasons. He's thinking about what he wants to do. I thought that that was so cool. Like, you don't hear that often, especially from, like, you know, uh, these these cable services, you know? Like, oh, yeah, if he, he can just make as many as he wants to whenever he wants to. And David has, like, the freedom... And, uh, you know, the power to just be like, yeah, we'll make more now. 
yeah, that, that's really awesome. And, and what a great platform, too, because there's really no boundaries as far as, you know, what you could do on HBO. Like, And you could definitely see, like, if you're a Seinfeld fan coming from Seinfeld to Curb, you can see the limitations that Seinfeld had to deal with yeah. as far as having, like, the mature content. I mean, not, Seinfeld tried as hard as they could. I mean, they had the contest episode yep. and stuff like that. And then but imagine that... the contest being written for HBO for the first time. Yeah, but I think that I think that that... I think that that kind of like worked to their advantage in a way, like especially like the Dolores episode as well, you know, mm-hmm. like so, that's a great point. So I think some of that stuff kind of like worked to their advantage, but there were restrictions and like this show pr- shows that without restrictions, you know, they can, they can do more, they can be more edgy and it, it's fucking hilarious and I love it. But I watched, um, I, I, I watched, I could only watch the first episode of the goop lab. <laughs> Have you guys tried this? I- no. I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> did you watch how many how, how many episodes did you get through? Just one. <laughs> I I like and they're, like the first episode. She's they're talking about something that's like super interesting, like psychedelics. This is the Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> show based on her like company Goop. That I don't even know what the fuck they make. Like I have <laughs> like, they make whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> I guess I I don't understand the company. I don't understand her as a human, but like. So this first episode was like on something that's like pretty interesting. They did it on psychedelics. And at the end of the day, it was like the most boring show about psychedelics that I've ever fucking watched in my life. I don't know if you felt the same way, Stephanie, but it was not, I don't know. It was, it was not captivating at all. No, I, I was expecting kind of like, to hear about kind of like the trippiness of psychedelics. And yeah. They almost made it very clinical and very dry. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't invested in the, in the effects that the people, the goop people in Jamaica were at the, they had traveled to Jamaica to take the drug legally. And like, I wasn't really all that invested. It just felt very clinical to me. I didn't love it. Yeah. I don't, it was terrible. I would rather listen, go, if you want to listen to like some cool conversations about this kind of stuff, fucking, Joe Rogan and Kevin Pereira both did episodes about the time that they went and did, they went out of the country and they did ayahuasca. And like, that's what you want to listen to. Cause like, that's pretty fascinating shit. So, Isn't that the stuff that the guy from Goop said he went and did in Peru? Was that fun? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, it like, I don't know. It's fucking like, it sounds crazy, but like they take this shit out in the jungle and it makes them puke. And then like, I don't know. And then, and then they just start tripping balls and shit and everybody. <laughs> Everybody's in touch with everything, you know. You get it all figured and out. And they made that boring, huh? They well, they like this. Where they're doing like MDMA and and all this stuff. Um, I think. Well, is that what they did, or they weren't dropping like? Yeah, they were doing like mushrooms. They were doing mushrooms, right? They did like a mushroom yeah. tea. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I was inspired to make my own candle after watching this show, and it's called <laughs> "This Show Smells Like My Ass." And it's a candle that I'm gonna make. This show is fucking terrible. I fucking <laughs> I tossed the goop lab. It was fucking garbage. Um, I, I'm going to talk about one more thing. I'll pass it off here real quick. I, I watched the comedy special uh, Fortune Feimster, Sweet and Salty on Netflix. Um, it's a comedy special. It's about an hour long. And uh, if you've never heard of Fortune Feimster, she's she was in uh, the Mindy Projects. She's a voice on the animated Fox show Bless the Hearts. I saw her in a movie called Social Animals, and I thought that she was fucking hilarious in that movie. So when I saw that she had her own comedy special, I was like, I'm going to watch this. And it's basically comedy about like her growing up and how awkward it was at times. She is... 
she's kind of a, she's a bigger girl and she's got really curly hair and she's talking about how she's always looked that way. And she had a joke about how she looked like the chubby kid from the sandlot that just fucking killed me. And <laughs> she, she does look like him. It is bizarre. Um, and a lot of her comedy then goes into like, uh, the, she talks about the day that she realized that she was a lesbian and, um, the comedy special kind of like builds up to that. Like it, she goes through her childhood and then, and it builds up to that. And she basically finds out that she's a lesbian, uh, while watching a lifetime movie. And, uh, I, but she's talking about before that, she's like talking about lifetime and she's like, she, she's talking about lifetime, the network. And she says, um, and, and if you watch enough lifetime, you'll notice women in their programming getting beat, murdered, beheaded, maimed, you know, girl stuff. And I just lost <laughs> my shit because it's so true. I fucking, they had, um, what was it? Uh, Silence of the Lambs was on fucking Lifetime once. <laughs> I was like, what are they? I don't know. And yeah, like a lot of fucking horrible shit happens to women in those Lifetime movies sometimes. But I thought that this was a great, uh, I thought it was really good. I- I'll give it a high taste. I thought it was a really funny comedy special. And I, I think Fortune Feimster is really funny, so check it out. Uh, I will pass it off to Stephanie. What do you got? Oh, um, I don't have much, actually, um, but I watched the Leslie Jones comedy special on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I didn't watch it, but I saw that she had it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I give it like a taste of it. Hmm. Um, I think... I know she, I, I believe from what I understand, she started in stand-up comedy and I really liked her work on SNL and, um, especially when she was, when she would go on the Seth Meyer show and her, uh, her Game of Thrones episodes reactions were always really funny. This for me didn't land. Um, she does kind of, something that I find slightly annoying sometimes that stand-up comedians do is like they drag a joke on for like way too long, whether it's a sound effect or like a physical action. She just drags it on and like every time she says it, it, get, it gets less funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't particularly care for. Her. She had some really good. She had some really good jokes in there. I definitely belly laughed quite a few times. Um, but I just think it just it didn't land too many times for me on the end of too many jokes. So I mean, yeah. like I'm excited for her that this is a big moment for her. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, I don't know those those Netflix comedy specials can like make you or break you sometimes. I feel like she's established herself enough though. I would. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, is that supermarket sweep show that she was going to do still happening? Do you know? Yes, it is, and I'm so excited. Shut the fuck up! She's doing a supermarket sweep. Yeah, they're bringing it back. She's the host. Shut the fuck up! I, I seriously was watching, and this is no joke, but like when I tore my Achilles and I had so much time on my hands, I went through and I watched like the first two seasons of Supermarket Sweep on Amazon Prime. I'm just getting ready to ask, where the fuck are those located? <laughs> Amazon motherfucking Prime, dude. <laughs> wow, wow. Was it still fun? Oh, it's a... Dude, I watched two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet your fucking ass it was fun. Shit. I'm playing all the fucking games and shit. You know? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see a modern version of that. And I think I think she could be a good host when the people are doing, like, the big final, you know, supermarket spree or whatever. Oh yeah, when they're given like they they got the time, and they run out there and they have to find the clues. The, the, yeah, yeah. Should be screaming about them getting all the yeah. expensive <laughs> items. 
I used to, I watched that in the very early days when they started, when they first started and the rules were really different back then. The game was really different when they first started. They would have, and this is like the very first episodes and not, and they don't even have this in the first season. Like when you watch it on Amazon Prime, like these are really old episodes, but they had like, they had like, if you're running down the aisle and you see somebody dressed in a costume, you had to turn the other way. You couldn't go down that aisle. They used to have this fucking guy dressed in a banana suit and he was playing those uh what are those fucking those fucking things that they <laughs> they have like fucking beans in them and they jangle them cucarachas or... <laughs> maracas maraca is it a maraca or castanet is that what they're called uh, one of the two I'm i don't know sure. yeah we're, we're not <laughs> We don't know anything. <laughs> but there was a guy in a banana suit and he was shaking those fucking things and they'd have to turn the other way. It was the most ridiculous shit I'd ever seen. Me and my sister used to watch this shit and I'd just be like, oh, ah, the banana suit guy. Gah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember my parents being really serious about it when we watched it about like, they would like outline how they would get the most money in their cart. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You got to get those hams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They always got, oh, and the garden hoses were big. The garden hoses. And she's making sure to get her limit of five. Oh, I forgot about the limits. Yeah, you had a limit of five. And then like, and then there's like, uh, and then he's like, if you're out in the market and you hear, uh, this sound, that's our special. And if you find that, you get an extra $250 or whatever. And then they had like, you had to pick up the, uh, the bagels. You have to get these special bagels and then you gotta wrap them up in a twist tie and half the time you're watching the people and you notice that they didn't twist them with the twist tie and you're like, you're not gonna get the money for that! <laughs> you didn't use the twist tie! And then they come, oh, they, so yes, and then they come back after it's all over and then now you've got to have the host, what was his name? Uh, Rupert Everett. Rupert Everett was like, I, I see you, you went out there and you got the bagels, but you didn't use the twist tie. And then they're like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck. I'm trying to figure out when the show is coming. Back. <laughs> I think we're going to, we're going to end pop culture leftovers. I'm just going to do a recap of fucking supermarket sweep. I'm in. I'm in. I'll still stay. Oh man. Jake, uh, Stephanie, if you have anything else, we'll get back to you. Jake, did, uh, Stephanie, did you guys watch Avenue Five? Yeah, I did. All right, Avenue Five. This is uh, this one's on HBO. Uh, it's it's on HBO here in the U.S., but it's on Sky One in the U.K. Uh, Avenue Five is set in the future, mostly in space, on board the interplanetary cruise ship, the Avenue Five. A massive systems malfunction sends the vessel far off course. It's estimated it will take the ship years to return to Earth, and with only enough supplies to sustain her, many passengers for the intended eight week long cruise. The crew of the Avenue 5 must struggle to maintain order and return the craft to sa- uh, return the craft safely. Stars Hugh Laurie, uh, Josh Gad, Zach Woods, Rebecca Front, Susie Nakamura, Lenora Cricklow, Ethan Phillips, Himesh Patel. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Stephanie, what'd you think about Avenue 5? It's a comedy, everybody. It's a comedy. So it sounds like sci-fi, but it's a comedy. I enjoyed it. I thought... I thought it was funny. It was different. The concept was different. 
um, and I'm I'm invested enough from one episode to want to watch to find out how they pull this off. And the jokes landed. Mm. I give it a high taste. It. I thought it was good. I, I'll jump in. I'll get Jake's thoughts here in a second. I, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I fucking laughed my ass off. And I think like what really worked for me is just like um, I like the guy that's like kind of in control of like um, – the guest experience and how shitty and snarky he was <laughs> like that guy fucking slayed me. And then the couple that are, they are about to get divorced. And so like they're on this final vacation together and they're bickering and arguing the entire time. And now they're stuck on this ship with each other for three years. And like, as they're arguing in the like in like the the breakfast line and stuff like that, and he's getting on her about having sex with her massage therapist or whatever, I am laughing my ass off. Like, like that's the kind of shit that I love watching in real life. I love it when I when we're like when we're able to see like a couple just kind of go at it in real life, and you're just kind of like watching. You're just like a deer in headlights, and you're just like watching. But it's almost like it's like free reality TV, but it's only just for you. And you get you get like a little you get a little glimpse into these people's miserable lives in that one moment. And you're able to watch. And I felt like that's what I was watching here. I thought it was fucking hilarious. I And it wasn't like it wasn't like the big names were the ones that were cracking me up. It wasn't like Hugh Laurie or Josh Gad. It was like. The guys, the, the, just like the, some of the other people on the ship were cracking me up. Like the, I guess the guest relations guy and then the, that one couple. I thought that this was pretty fucking hilarious and I, I, I can't wait for the next episode. Jake, what'd you think? Uh, for me, it was a middle of the road taste it. Um, I, and I'm not going to bag on it too much. I think there's a lot of promise for this show and it could very much be a Tupperware comedy series. I just thought, it was a pilot and it had a lot to unpack to kind of get across what its storyline was going to be since it was a little bit out there and outlandish and the jokes didn't quite hit for me very much. Um, I did enjoy a lot of the characters. I, a lot of the setup seems interesting. I think a lot of cool stuff could happen in future episodes, but I don't know, just this episode alone was just a middle of the road taste it for me. I didn't find myself laughing that much at it. I thought the funniest gag was the uh, frozen blood gag, which was probably the biggest belly laugh I got out of the whole episode, if you remember that part. Yeah, and I th- that's not what I thought was funny either. So it's like our sense of humor on this totally, it's like different. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't hate this by any means. It just, it definitely felt like it had a lot of work to do where so the next episodes can just be hopefully be really, really funny. Yeah, I, I thought I thought I thought it was a well done pilot episode that kind of just set up like what the show's going to be. Like they thought it was going to be like this smooth sailing, you know, eight week eight week trip, this cruise out in outer space, and then now they're stuck out there for three years, and that's that's you know I thought it set up the show really well, and I for me the jokes really landed. I thought it was I thought it was pretty fucking hysterical. So I, yeah, we're kind of all over the place with this one. And like they say, comedy subjective, but I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's worth a watch. Yeah, I'll favorite. definitely be watching another episode, especially with its slot being where it's it and curb right next to each other. It, it just makes it so convenient to go ahead and check it out again. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. No, 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 you're fine. Um, I really enjoyed the the whole scene with the oh, like uh, the with the delay 
from like the base on Earth and like the when they were trying to figure out the issue. <laughs> yeah, that's the part that had me going the most. I think I thought that was really funny. And my fa- one of my favorite characters is the is the older woman who's like everybody knows somebody like her. Oh, she's so, like nosy, a busybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. But those are the parts that stuck me. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let's jump into, so yeah, that was Avenue 5 on HBO. Um, let's talk about the Vivarium trailer that came out. This dropped a couple days ago. Saban Films released the official trailer for their upcoming sci-fi thriller Vivarium starring Imogen Poots and Oscar nominee Jesse Eisenberg. This one actually, uh, I think they showed it at a festival, a film festival back in May. And, uh, we're gonna, it's coming out March 27th. It's the story of a young couple, uh, and it's, yeah, it's a sci-fi thriller. Stars Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg. And it's the story of a young couple in search of a starter home who follow a mysterious estate agent and get trapped in a strange housing development. Uh, it also stars Jonathan Aris, Daniel Ryan, Senan Jennings, and Iana Hardwick. Uh, it's directed by L- Lorkin Finnegan. He did a movie without name and foxes. And, uh, Lorkin. That's a name. That is a name. Is it, is it Lorson or Lorkin? I don't know. It's Lorkin sounds right to me. Lorkin Finnegan. Lorkin. Sounds like an, like an Irish warrior. Mm. Lorcan yep. Finnegan. <laughs> of the Clan Finnegans. Uh, Clan Finnegan. Um, yeah, let's see here. Uh, what do you, what do you guys think about, uh, Vivarium? I'll go, I'll start with you, Stephanie. I really liked it. I, this is the type of suspense thriller that really pulls me in. Um, just the concept is really trippy. Um, I, I was definitely hooked and knew I wanted to watch it when they, um, when they the box was delivered with the baby in it. Yeah. So basically like this trailer, what you see is this couple is they're going to get a starter home. They meet this really weird kind of like real estate agent guy. And he is, you know, showing them this home and then they're trying to leave this place. And as they leave, like they can't get out. Like they, they pass, uh, they, they go to like, uh, this condo or whatever, and it's uh, condo number nine. And as they're driving, they pass it again. And so they keep driving, trying to get out of this place, and they can't. It's like a maze that you can't get out of. And so they're basically forced to live there. And we see scenes of them like, I guess there's food that's in there, and they're eating this food. And then all of a sudden, there's like this box that they open. And inside the box is just a simple ma- message. Um, Raise this child, and you can be released. And we just get crazy scenes of like them burning down the house, them, you know, like raising this kid and this kid turns out to be like almost just like a, a brat or like a, I don't, I don't even know how to explain just a weird child to the point where like they're in bed and they're like flipping this kid off and he's screaming. <laughs> and yeah, I think they just resent him too. Not, I mean, yeah. it's a combination of both. He's a creep and they resent him. Right. Yeah. What, what'd you think, Jake? And for me, this was like a high taste it. Um, I definitely want to see this movie. Uh, just as far as the art of the trailer goes, I thought the trailer was a bit too long. It showed me a bit too much of the plot and what was going on. And 
oh, I really rolled my eyes at the uh, pretentious way they rolled out their Rotten Tomato score in this trailer. Like they did like a start at zero, roll up to where the, where's the number going to stop? How big was the Rotten Tomato score? And I was like, oh, boy. No, it was 86. I think it was. It's at 87 now. Last time I checked, I thought. <laughs> but yeah, the movie looks great. I lo- I I agree with Stephanie. I love this type of thriller. Um, I just wish the trailer was a little bit shorter and showed a little bit less information. I, I'm, I'll give it a high taste. It and the reason is because I do think that they showed a little bit too much. Um, I think I just, I think, honestly, and I, here's how I think the movie's gonna play out, and I hope that the movie is smarter than I am, and it doesn't turn out this way, but I think that the boy that they're raising turns out to be the weird real, real, uh, the weird re- real estate agent that we're introduced to at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Cause if you look in the trailer, they have the same eye color, it's like those bluish gray eyes, they wear the same clothes, and they have the same part in their hair. So they raise the kid and he grows up to look like the guy who then becomes the real estate agent for the next family. And in the trailer, there's a quote from a news outlet and it says, and I'm I'm paraphrasing this, but it says, uh, this movie has a stranglehold on you from end to end. So basically I'm saying the movie starts at the end and then ends where the movie, where the start of the movie begins end to end. So like with, this kid being that weird real real estate agent. Yeah, I dig it. It's hard to imagine this movie has any kind of a happy ending. And so I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's just this constant loop where a couple, this young couple is going to continuously get screwed over and over again, you know, a different young couple. So like at the end of the movie, like a new couple comes in there and we're like, Ooh, I know what's going to happen to them now too. Cause we saw it, you know? And so (laughs) I hope that that's not the case. I hope that the movie's smarter than me, but like, that's what I got from watching this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It'll be interesting to see how long they're in there. I mean, that kid looked, pretty old by the time we see the uh, middle finger in bed scene that you're referring to earlier yeah i don't know do do they age while they're there or is there some kind of like weird thing where they don't age i mean i don't know yeah i I don't know yeah that's very strange i mean obviously the kid is aging but maybe they're not the commercial the trailer makes it makes you think that it's a thriller but if you look this up it's considered sci-fi so i'm just saying it's a sci-fi thriller Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, definitely some sane sci-fi though makes you think that there's got to be some kind of like setup, like someone yeah. is doing some kind of experiment or something. Right. Would you? What did you rate this, Stephanie? High taste it. High taste it. Yeah, I think we're on the same page on this one. I, I'm definitely going to be watching it. I think the trailer showed enough for me to like want to see this one. So, and I'm hoping that this is a better movie for Imogen Poots than Black Christmas was because that was absolute garbage. So. <laughs> And I think she's a she's a good actor. So, yeah. Um, Stephanie, do you have anything else for Good Pop, Bad Pop that we're not going to cover together? Um, no. Okay. I saw Color Out of Space. This is the new Nicolas Cage movie. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. Mm-hmm. I have not. It's a story of cosmic terror about the gardeners, a family who moves to a remote farmstead in rural New England to escape the hustle of the 21st century. They are busy adapting to their new life when a meteorite crashes into their front yard. 
The mysterious aerolite seems to melt into the Earth, infecting both the land and the properties of space-time with a strange otherworldly color. To their horror, the Gardner family discovers that this alien force is gradually mutating every life form that it touches, including them. Uh, Color Out of Space is based on the short story The Color Out of Space by H.P. Lovecraft. It stars, like I said, Nicolas Cage, Jolie Richardson, Madeline Arthur. Uh, she plays Frey on The Magicians, and she's going to be on the upcoming Snowpiercer TV series on TNT. Uh, Corianka Kilcher, Julian Hillard. If you watched The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, you remember him as the young, uh, as young Luke, the little cute kid with the glasses on that show. It also stars Brendan Meyer. If you're a fan of the OA, you'll remember him as Jesse on that show. And Tommy Chong plays their zany neighbor, Ezra. So it's got quite the cast here. It's directed by Richard Stanley. This is Richard Stanley's first feature film in more than 20 years since The Island of Dr. Moreau. That is a movie I saw in the theater. I was a senior in high school when that came out and saw it with a bunch of friends. And... That was 96. So he has not made a movie <laughs> since 96. And I saw the last one in the theater. Crazy to think. But um, Richard Stanley's mother, a little background on this one. Richard Stanley's mother, Penny Miller, was a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft. She read Lovecraft's works to Stanley when he was a, uh, a young kid. Um, at the age of 12 or 13, he read The Color Out of Space, uh, which, quote, always been a part of his... Uh, phys- uh, psychological makeup. Uh, when his mother suffered from cancer, Stanley read Lovecraft's works to her in her declining years. So, like, this is like a, a labor of love, this, this movie here. Um, and it's also got the same producers that did the movie Mandy, which is another Nicolas Cage movie. That movie is fucking incredible. If you haven't seen Mandy and you have a Shutter account, watch it. It's fucking awesome. So, this movie, you start off meeting the daughter. Lavinia, she's like into Wiccan and she's doing some sort of like ritualistic ceremony and she's interrupted by this guy, uh, played by Elliot Knight and he plays like a hydrologist. He like, you know, studies water and things like that. And so he becomes a bigger part of the movie once they start, you know, testing the water in the town. But anyway, we meet the whole family and, and they're great. It's like, I love the dynamic of this family. We get a, we get to see a glimpse of like how they interact before like everything goes crazy when this meteor meteorite drops into their front yard. Um Nicolas Cage also takes care of alpacas as a hobby in this movie, which is <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love alpacas. If you ever wanted to see Nicolas Cage milk an alpaca, this is the movie for you. He milks an alpaca. I didn't even know you could milk alpacas. I didn't know I needed to see that until now. It's <laughs> totally in this movie. Uh anyway this meteorite hits their front yard and and there's this huge noise followed by like all this pink light flashing lights so fast forward a little bit the next night there's this storm and the meteor is attracting all this lightning so it just keeps getting struck by lightning and I don't want to spoil too much of this event um, but like the synopsis says, this meteor starts changing everything around them. Um, the best way I can kind of describe some of it is like, remember in Annihilation where, you know, they go to that, that, that pink light that they kind of pink, that prism light that they, that, 
that they walk into and like it's like terraforming the earth and changing plants and stuff like that. It's it's a little like that look in this. Um and there's some really fucking cool visuals in this movie like it's foggy outside and they make like this weird colorful light refract off the fog and move in really cool ways and their yard starts growing like almost like alien looking plants and then it starts to affect like the family they start acting different around being exposed to this meteor and like they drink from a well so i think like the well water is like affecting them as well um, their youngest son, Jack, starts seeing, like, imaginary friends. Uh, Nick Cage, the, he plays the dad. He starts, like, he's he's kind of on edge most of the movie, but then he goes into, like, full Jack Nicholson, the Shining crazy. And, like, his, his cadence, his tone in this movie at points is laughable, but it's definitely worth watching for that. Um, there is some insane, and I mean insane body horror that happens in this film. And the visuals are fucking unreal. Like just terrifying what happens in this movie. Um, the suspense is pretty amazing. You're always, this movie, it grips you. It's very captivating. And you're always wondering what's going to happen next. And this is like, this is like one of those movies. Like if I would have seen this as a kid, like at a sleepover or something like that, this would be the, one of those movies that stuck with me my entire life. Like, oh my God, The mm. Color Out of Space. What, wow, what a crazy, trippy fucking movie. I fucking loved it. It's a Tupperware. This is so fucking good. It is, this is an incredible horror film. I absolutely love this one. Everybody needs to watch this. This is so fucking good. Um, Where'd you see this? This was in the theater? It's in the theater. I, I did not watch it in the theater. I'll talk to you about it later. Um, but I uh, I thought that this movie was just tremendous. I, I loved it. Um, I, it's right on par with Mandy, and I loved Mandy. And um, I guess uh, Richard Stanley was doing a Q&A, and he said that this film would be the first of a trilogy. Um, and so... Uh, he said a Dunwich horror adaptation is coming next. So hopefully, hopefully that does happen. Cause like this was just incredible. Uh, you, you never know what you're going to get with Nicolas Cage. You could get like some straight to fucking straight to video bullshit, or you could get something like so good like this. This was so fucking incredible. I, the body horror in this is some shit that I've never fucking seen. It's really fucking disturbing, but not so disturbing that you're like, I got to turn this shit off. It's, you, you still, you're, you're still, you can't not watch this. You can't not watch this. And you're always on the edge of your seat. It's batshit crazy. You never know what's going to fucking happen. It's like, it's, you can't sit there and be like, well, I think this is going to happen by the end of this movie. No, you just, you are there for the ride. This movie is a fucking trip. And it's not like a trip to where it's like nothing doesn't make sense. Things that aren't making sense, you can still process them and you can still understand the outcome of what happens to all the characters in this movie. It's not one of those that like leaves you unsatisfied by the end of the movie. Like, okay, that was a little too fucking arty for me and I don't know what the fucking director was trying to tell me in this movie. It's just a good, wild ride. I loved it. Tupperware. It's so good. Wow, that sounds awesome. Nick Cage has kind of been on a little bit of a heater lately. Yes and no. I mean, he's coming out with movies all the time. He's coming out with movies all the time. Mandy was great. This was great. But he did, you know, Primal, which was not fantastic. And he's there's been some other movies that he came out 
with I mean he'll come out with four or five movies a year. Look at his filmography. It's and and yeah, not, that's true. That's true. If you throw all the spaghetti at the wall, one of it's gonna stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, this one's called The Color Out of Space. I cannot recommend it enough. It's in limited theaters right now. If you can find it, definitely check this one out. Uh let's talk about Star Trek Picard that came out on CBS All Access features Sir Patrick Stewart reprising his iconic role as Jean-Luc Picard, which he played for seven seasons on Star Trek The Next Generation. The new series will follow this iconic character in the next chapter of his life following the supernova that fractured the Romulan Star Empire and the subsequent destruction of the Confederation Martian colonies by synthetics. Admiral Jean-Luc Picard has resigned his commission in Starfleet and retired to Jake, are, is your beard doing that that noise? Oh, I didn't know I was making a noise. Yeah, a little, might be, though. I don't know. It's like shifting noise. Um, Admiral Jean-Luc Picard has resigned his commission in Starfleet and retired to his country estate in, uh, is it Labar? Mm, oh, yeah. I don't know. You don't know. Just say, yeah, you don't know. I don't know either. Where he tends to his <laughs> vineyards. One day he encounters uh, Dej, a woman from Boston who has Romulan assassins after her. So, uh, yeah, this dropped, uh, this dropped on Thursdays, uh, on CBS All Access. All new episodes are gonna drop on Thursday. And, uh, yeah. Um, did we all get a chance to see this one? Yes, I watched I did, it. I did not. Okay. Jake, what did you think about Picard? Uh, I absolutely loved it. I, I'm gonna give it the highest of Tupperwares. I, um, I was definitely looking forward to this, but I was kind of taken aback at how much I, I did enjoy it. Um, and honestly, it actually got me quite a bit emotional watching this. It, it just made me tear up. It, not not that I haven't seen Patrick Stewart in a ton of stuff, and even recently, but just seeing him return as this character, as Picard, and, you know, seeing Picard just so much older, but yet still having, like, all the same values and morals that the character used to have in The Next Generation in this new show just really kind of brought a tear to my eye on multiple occasions through this episode. Um, was just kind of surprised at how emotional I got during this. Um, and I, I thought this was a great first episode. I'm really interested in the mystery that's going on. Uh, one of my favorite kind of plot subtext in Star Trek is when we're talking about, you know, robots and androids and synthetics and whether or not we classify those things as sentient beings. And there seems to be a lot of that going on here. I don't know how much, you know, spoiler talk we want to be with this thing, but I really liked some of the reveals with some of the characters that we were introduced to that we saw by the end of this, just in the first 45 minutes. And yeah, this this was fucking fantastic. If there would have been a second episode to watch, I would have clicked watch next right away. Yeah. I can't believe that. I'm going to give this a Tupperware as well. Uh, Akiva Goldsman and uh, what's the other guy? Um, That uh, Alex Kurtzman, who, you know, he wrote, uh, um, the uh, JJ movies, and he's been involved in a lot of Star Trek stuff. Um, I couldn't believe Akiva Goldsman had a hand in this, and I loved it so much. Yeah, um, right. But Akiva, I think Akiva Goldsman's. I think he may have done some Titans episodes, and I thought he did a great job with those. There's just so many callbacks to so much, so much in Star Trek in this, like a lot of a callbacks to like Nemesis and. Um, I mean, just even down to like his dog, number one, is like the same breed of dog that like him, 
that he bought like recently. I don't know if you saw that on Reddit or on Instagram or whatever. Like that dog, that breed, he bought he 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 bought or adopted a couple dogs that are that same breed. And he was like really happy and posted those pictures all over like Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. And I thought that that was really cool. I thought, um, yeah, the stuff with the, all the stuff with the Android stuff, like the, the, the two paintings kind of blew me away. And like at the end of the day, what those two paintings meant, you know, um, I, I, I loved seeing Brent Spiner in this one. I loved the, you know, just starting off with like their game of poker and, I think we're going to get more flashbacks of data in this. And oh, definitely. I don't know what they're going to do, but it makes me feel like I, I love seeing Allison Pill in this. I think she's really good. I think she's kind of underrated. I liked her and everything I've seen her in pretty much. I think she's, she's really good. I liked her in uh, the goon movies, which I know like those aren't beloved, but a lot of people do love them. And I thought that they were a lot of fun and I liked her in those and I like her character in this. Um, but, um, do you think I think I think they're going to definitely do something with B four? Oh yeah, definitely. I completely agree. So they, they, did you see the sizzle reel that they showed at the end of the first episode, where they kind of showed like upcoming throughout the rest of the series? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and there's a lot of juicy stuff in there. I, I, it just got me really excited to see see more Picard. Well, I was blown away because like I don't think this is anything that they've ever done with like the, the end spoilers for the end. But the Romulans in that Borg cube, like, does that, are the Romulans working with Borgs? It did seem that way. The Romulans were definitely helping the Borgs out. I didn't, but I didn't, did you see Borgs on the Borg cube? I didn't. No, I just saw Romulan, I just saw Romulan ships going in and out. And I could like that was just incredible. Like the the production value on that, the CG just looked incredible. I was like, they put a lot of money into this. I thought the action was really good too. The choreography, like when we saw Daesh fighting, um, when she goes all born identity and gets activated and shit, and she's fighting and stuff. I was like, I was kind of upset with like what happened with her character in this. And then I was like, I was like, okay. What if there's another? What if, and I thought that to myself, and and then of course that that actually ended up happening, and I was kind of blown away by that. But I loved it. I, I can't wait to see what happens in the rest of this fucking season. Yeah, it was really good. The acting was really good. I agree. That whole fight sequence on the on the staircase was just really fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Every every little piece of this was great. I I loved the opening theme song. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it had just like the slightest little touch of the next gen theme song at the very end of it, which I thought was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this was just a very well done show. I didn't, I didn't know about this show. I mean, I was interested to see it, but I didn't know, didn't know if it was going to be one of those things where I wouldn't even be compelled to watch anymore after seeing the first episode. But I am definitely in for the long haul on this one. How many episodes of this do we get? Ten? Uh, I do not know, man. Yeah, I, would yeah, I know they're going to have a. They're going to have a second season already, from what I heard. There was a lot to do about Patrick Stewart asking Whoopi Goldberg to be part of the second season this week, live on the the View show. I heard that. Yeah, there, like that was an article that popped up this week that, uh, that Whoopi was asked to be on. Yeah, that was, so that was really cool. And I don't know. I read the um, Entertainment Weekly almost hit piece on this first episode. They really panned it and really hated it. Yeah, I know. I and I too. 
I actually read that before seeing the episode and was like, oh, wow, this sounds like it's going to be just a convoluted mess. And I was a little bit taken aback about how cohesive and easy to understand this pilot was. Like, I, I didn't think you had to really be steeped into all the back Star Trek lore to enjoy this show or enjoy what was going on. I thought this was just as easily accessible as any first episode of any show. Yeah, I, that's hard for me to say. That's hard for me to say. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought anything that was that important, they kind of laid out on the table for you. Yeah. And a lot of the themes of what's going on in this show are all very much introduced within this show. So yeah, and I, I, that's, I think, yeah, you'll enjoy it more if you have the love for these characters, but I don't think you're going to be by any means lost. Yeah. What's going on. I don't know. All the Mars stuff is all um, like none of that happened in any Star Trek movie or TV show. That's all backstory no. that was created for Picard, I believe. Sure, but there's a lot of stuff that happened in Nemesis, like you know, you know, Data sacrifice and stuff like that. There, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say what you're saying. I, I think that there's people that would watch it and that would 100% get lost after watching this. But oh, I'm not saying that they wouldn't. But I, I do think they did a good job of possibly enticing new yeah. fans I, but I, not I, just i i wouldn't like if you've never watched any star trek i i don't know i don't know if you could jump into this and be a fan of picard you know yeah yeah i i really don't know i don't know if you could just jump in on this and and be like yeah i'm in well i've never watched any star trek before i know that the property exists i know that the i know that the property exists i've never watched any star trek but i don't know i think like you have to i think you have to have I don't know, have some kind of a grasp on the, on the universe. There's a, there's a tie in comic. We actually reviewed it on number one comic books. Um, it's a tie in comic. I, I think like two issues are out. I think it's going to go three, but it's called, uh, Star Trek Picard, uh, countdown and it deals with the Romulan evacuation. And so, um, I read the first episode and so like this kind of, and not 100%, but it kind of spoiled like what happened at the end. You know, oh, really? with, with that, but uh, I'm still I'm still interested to go back and, and still go interested to to finish that comic series because it, it's it's actually really good. That book's really good, and um, I think it uh, kind of like uh, gave me kind of gave me a little bit more. There's a lot of fucking clicking and shifting around going on right now. I don't know what is going on. Hmm. I don't I don't think it's me. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's me. But I think I'll it. I think. I think it is you. It's me. I think so. It's like I'm. I'm hearing like that kind of shit. Okay, I don't have a cord or anything. I'm muting myself. I do not want to be the problem. No, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. All right. Um, let's see. I will talk about. I got. I got a few more things that I got to talk about. I'll talk about one more, and then we'll take a break here. Um. The Last Full Measure, uh, this is a movie that I saw this week. Uh, it's the true story of Vietnam War hero William H. Pitsenbarger, a U.S. Air Force Paris, uh, para-rescue man um, who personally saved over 60 men. During a rescue mission on April 11, 1966, he was offered the chance to escape on the last helicopter out of a combat zone heavily under fire, but he stayed behind to save and defend the lives of soldiers of the U.S. Army's 1st Infantry Division before making the ultimate sacrifice in one of the bloodiest battles of the war 
Uh, 32 years later, Pentagon staffer Scott Huffman on a career fast track is tasked with investigating a Medal of Honor request for Pitsenbarger made by his best friend and uh, partner on the mission and his parents. Uh, Huffman seeks out the testimony of Army veterans who wit- witnessed Pitsenbarger's extraordinary valor. And um, this is... It's based on a true story. It's written and directed by Todd Robinson. It stars Sebastian Stan, Christopher Plummer, William Hurt, Ed Harris, Samuel L. Jackson, Jeremy Irvine, and Peter Fonda in his final film role. Um, it's it basically God damn it. There's so many this, this noises. These background. <laughs> You're still hearing noises. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm hearing noises. Um, but um, <laughs> I'm just. Kissing and moaning. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm laughing at myself. Uh, so basically, you've, you've, this this is a you've got a guy who's tasked with uh, getting a medal of honor to a, a, a to a guy who's who's been dead for years, and his family has been fighting to get him this medal of honor a medal of honor for like thirty years so that he's remembered. And he did. He he had a chance to like leave this combat zone in Vietnam, but he stuck around and he saved the the lives of sixty men. And um, it's 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 an incredible story. It really is an incredible story. And uh, at the end of the movie, like when when he's getting the medal and like when they're giving him the medal and his family, his dad's got like this terminal illness is going to die soon. So they want to do this before his dad dies. And it's not the easiest thing to get this done. There's all this politics involved and shit, but, um, Oh, uh, yeah. Bradley Whitford's in this and he's a fucking scumbag in this movie. Um, Sebastian Stan is okay in it. Like at the beginning, I think he, his performance was a little shaky, but by the end of it, I think he really got into like his groove with kind of being like the leading man in this movie. And with him being the leading man in a movie that stars Christopher Plummer, William Hurt, Ed Harris, Samuel Jackson, that says a lot. Um, but there's a lot of flashbacks to Vietnam and they show like the sacrifice that this guy did make. Like this is a, um, this guy back in his hometown, everybody loved him. He, uh, had a, had a girlfriend, fiance that loved him and he sacrificed a lot. His just a great guy. You hear about his past, you read about him, like they, he's, you know, doing all this research and reading about him and, doing all these interviews with these other guys that have fought with him. And a lot of these guys are still, you know, suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and they, they're feeling guilt over him dying and them being alive. This guy that, that basically laid down his life to keep these guys safe. It's, it's a touching story. And, uh, this guy was a true hero and I highly recommend this movie. I'll give it a high tasted overall. Um, I think that there, I guess there's a little bit that they could have left out and I, I think, uh, you know, some of the performances, uh, performance of Sebastian Stan was a little weak at the beginning. I, I actually had to go back and I was kind of like not getting into the movie for the first half hour. So I had to go back and rewatch it again um, because I was kind of like not paying attention. So no, I do that every now and again. But once I got back into it, I, I really enjoyed this one. So it's called The Last Full Measure, and I, I would recommend watching it. I'll give it a high taste it overall. I thought it was a good movie, and I, I think everybody should give this one a chance and, and watch this when it's available. It's limited release right now, so you're not going to find this one everywhere. 
but I don't know if I've ever seen Sebastian Stan in a movie that's not a Marvel movie. Oh, I have. He was in Logan Lucky. He played a race car driver. I'm trying to remember Perfect. if I've seen him in anything else recently. But yeah, he's been in some other things. Yeah, just nothing that's been across my radar. So, but yeah, I've seen a bit about this. It looks pretty good. It is pretty good. Uh, let us take a break. And we'll be right back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop. shit <laughs> whoopty fucking shit yeah uh i watched october faction on netflix uh Stephanie, you get a chance to watch any of this i did i did how many episodes are you through on october faction three i got through eight um wow it's uh, created by Damien Kindler. It's based on the comic book series by Steve Niles and Damien Worm from IDW Entertainment. October Faction follows the story of globetrotting monster hunters Fred and Dolores Allen, who, after the death of Fred's father, return to their hometown in upstate New York with their teenage children, Jeff and Viv. As the family adjusts, Fred and Dolores must hide their identities as members of a secret organization and our heroes quickly discovered that their new small town setting isn't as idyllic as it seems. Uh, I don't know. It stars, it stars a bunch of people I've never seen before, except for maybe the guy who plays Fred Allen. I've seen him in some other stuff. J.C. McKenzie. I've seen him in a few things. But pretty much, like, the cast is pretty unknown to me. I don't know about you, Stephanie. Is the... Who were, who was the character you were just talking about that you said was familiar, the one that was familiar to you? The dad. The yeah, the dad, oh, Fred yeah. Allen. Yeah, I've okay, seen yeah. I've seen him in other stuff. I, I just couldn't point him out. You know what I mean? Is he the friend from um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? No, I, no. Did you know that the mom and the dad from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, they eventually, when they met on that movie, they fell in love and got married in real life. I did not know that. True, I didn't know that. True fucking story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what did you think about October Faction? I will give this a taste it. I am I'm interested. I'm actually fairly invested in the stories of the of the twins. I don't I still don't understand what they're fighting. Like she calls them vamps. Are they vampires? And they're called monsters. So is this a thing where like all all vampires are monsters, but all monsters aren't vampires? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like they've thrown they've thrown a lot at us, and there's this weird thing with the dad and the woman he was in the hotel room with. I still have a lot of questions that I'm my interest is peaked enough to continue watching. Um, but I guess I just I think I'm giving it a just a regular taste it because there's still so much I don't understand that hasn't been explained yet. Oh, they definitely explain it. I am so hooked on this fucking show. It's like a sleeper hit, in my opinion. And 
and uh you know it's pretty it gets it can get pretty gory they do drop the f bomb mm-hmm. so it does get pretty adult at times it's it's um I, I, I'm intrigued. I love this story. It's, it's basically, you've got this, this mom and this dad who work for this, uh, you know, this big, uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know who runs it, but it's called Presidio and they go around and they're monster hunters and uh, it's kind of like the family business, but like there's people that are doing this all over the world. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the men in black or like, you know, like where people don't know, or even like, like Harry Potter, where you've got like your, you've got the muggles who don't know that there's this whole wizarding world. And, and here in this, like, these are the people that like keep the monsters at bay so that real people can just like normal people can go on living this life and not realizing that there are monsters out there that are trying to kill us. And, um, this family uh, they have, uh, two twins, uh, Jeff and Viv, and I love these twins. I love their stories. And there's so many twists and turns in this as it keeps going along, as the story keeps going along. And, and at the beginning, you're just like, okay, all these monsters are bad. Let's kill these monsters. But like, at the end of the day, like, who's the real monster here? Is it Presidio? Is Presidio the monster? Do we not understand who these monsters are? Are, are we just trying to keep them at bay and trying to protect ourselves? What are we trying to protect ourselves from? And, uh, and I, I am, I am loving this show. I think it is, it's, if you watch it, like you might, some people might think it starts off very like CW and I think it kind of does, but on the flip side, once you get deeper into this story, it kind of opens up like you've got, uh, Gabriel Darku who plays Jeff, the, the, the son, one of the twins. And he's got this, you know, his part of his story is that, you know, he's, he's a gay teenager and, and they kind of like bring up, you know, his homosexuality in this and they have another character who kind of comes out and everything. And it's like, it's, I guess, I guess you could complain like they don't really explore that too much. But on the flip side, we're dealing with a show that just, you know, it's, it's about monsters. It's, it's, it's one, I think it's just one thing to where like at least the show has those characters that are represented in this. And I think that that's pretty cool. Um, there's this weird connection between the daughter and did you get to the part with the daughter and the woman under the water after she has the seance? Um, wait, yes. Yes. She performs a seance at a part like a, with a group of people and you see kind of like a woman under the water shifting as she's doing the seance and she kind of freaks the people out in the room yes yeah well, yeah. well I saw that was like the first episode yeah I remember that I, I'm trying to remember right. if, I, if I see the when it when it circles back to that I don't know if I've gotten to that part yet right um I'm right at the part where she tells the the friend the woman the girl she's made friend with Kathy that she drew the picture of the truck before the accident and then Kathy told her secret like five minutes later that's okay. where I am yeah yeah, there's there's a lot of secrets in this family. Not only the secret of, you know, that, that Fred and Dolores are hiding the secret that they're monster hunters from their children, but there's also more secrets that they're hiding um, in this. There's secrets that Fred is hiding from his wife. There, it's I am so engaged in this story. I'm through. There's 10 episodes. I've finished the first eight. And this is going to be the first thing that I watch tomorrow morning, and I'm going to knock it out tomorrow. This is a sleeper hit, in my opinion. I absolutely love it. I think it's great. I think it's really, really good. And I think the I think by 
by episode four, I think that might hook you a little bit more with the big reveal that happens at the end of that episode. Um, but uh, I am loving it. It's called uh, October Faction, and it's on Netflix, and it dropped on Thursday. So it's just kind of like that was the only thing that they dropped on Thursday was October Faction. And, you know, I, you never know what you're going to get with these fucking Netflix shows. And I was pleasantly surprised with this one. I thought it was – I think it's really good. I love it. I I agree with what you said. For anybody who's listening who's thinking they may want to watch it, it, it does feel – see very cw at the beginning but like once you get past even i'd say like the first two-thirds of that first episode it really the tides change and it there it gets more gory and the the the, the language is a little bit more explicit and it really do, it does get more enjoyable but i agree with what you said about that feel at the beginning because it's definitely there yeah and you do they I, I mean you do get to know a little bit more about the monsters and they're not all vampires like you know and you find out that there's they're, they're introducing warlocks and other types of monsters uh, into this okay. universe too um some some of them look like demonic creatures with no eyes and then one absolutely looks like later on you get introduced to like this one creature I don't even know what the fuck he is, but he's got horns. He looks like a straight up devil demon, but, um, I'm, I'm loving it. I think it's great. And I, I think a lot of it kind of hinges on the two twins. I think those two actors that are playing the twin, um, kids that are still in high school, I think they're fantastic. And, um, so many secrets get uncovered in this and it just, it, each episode leaves you with like, uh, another cliffhanger that I think like it demands another, episode you got to keep watching to figure out where this is going to go i hope that this picks up a little bit of traction because i really like this one speaking of things i hate i saw the turning this week this is the new horror movie that came out Uh the turning takes us to a mysterious estate in maine in the maine countryside where newly appointed nanny kate is charged with the care of two disturbed orphans flora and miles quickly though she discovers that both the children and the house are harboring dark secrets and things may not seem as they appear. Uh, it's directed by Floria Sigismondi and written by Carrie and Chad Hayes. It's a modern adaptation of the 1898 ghost story, The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. Steven Spielberg also serves an executive producer. It stars Mackenzie Davis, Finn Wolfhard, Brooklyn Prince from, uh, what was she? She was in, uh, the Florida project, that little girl. She's a great oh, child actor. Oh, wow, that was her. Yeah. Did you watch this one? I did. You did? And, and it also stars Jolie Richardson. Um, I'll start off by saying, I think like all the actors in this, they, I think they really acted their asses off. And the story at the beginning is fine. I think like it's nothing incredible. It held my interest, but the ending is absolute garbage. It's just absolute garbage. It leaves you very unsatisfied. And I don't understand the ending. Like, it, I don't know if that's what happens in the fucking book, but my God, I was, I left so unsatisfied from this fucking movie. Like, not, and I was even sticking around for the credits. Like, when they were, like, they showed that woman's hand on the wall moving across yeah. the wall. I was like, maybe they're going to give me something here. And then finally, I was just like, fuck this. And I walked out of the movie. I think that they called this the turning because, like, eventually when this airs on TV, that's what you'll want to do. You want to, 
<laughs> you want to turn the channel. It's fucking terrible. I was, this went from like being a taste it to a toss it with that ending. I am going to toss the turning. This is a terrible horror movie. And I thought that they could have done something really good here. It was PG 13. It didn't have to be R. Um, and some of the visuals were, were fine, but this is like, you know, I watched the color out of space with Nicolas Cage. That was just fucking amazing. And then I get this fucking turd. What did you think, Stephanie? No, oh, I thought it was awful. Um, I thought it was, I started to think it was awful. I probably say about halfway through the movie, they were spending, well, I, I agree with you. I thought the ending was total trash. Right. But I also so much time focusing on the kids when the kids weren't the issue, it was the demons in the house or the, from the former like groundskeeper. They introduced kind of that angle and so late. Yeah. And I was already annoyed with how much time we were spending with friggin' miles and the little girl that I was just over it and i was like am i supposed to be super invested in this tutor like and the woman who runs the house it was just trash i didn't that's a strong word but it was trash i, I like kept it. thinking that like why the fuck is she sticking around just fucking yes. leave right she's like i made a promise to a little girl who, who gives a Get fuck out. that house is tormenting you there's a guy who looks like serious black in the house that's <laughs> fucking trying to like molest you when you're sleeping and shit and like get the fuck out of there oh it was terrible absolutely ridiculous yeah terrible terrible the turning is absolute trash do not waste your money in the theater watching this if it comes out on hbo and you're morbidly curious watch it that way because i am not a fan of the turning it was garbage (laughs) and i'm i'm sorry that it was on the list of things to watch this week stephanie i apologize to you (laughs) that's okay (laughs) the turning it was a travesty. Basically. It was so fucking bad. I could not believe how bad this fuck. And like the trailer, like when I first saw the trailer, I was like, this looks really fucking good. Like Brooklyn Prince, fucking Finn Wolfhard, Mackenzie Davis. I love all these fucking actors. Like this could be something really cool. And they made the trailer look really good in my opinion, but fuck the final product. It's garbage. <laughs> I saw The Gentleman. Did any of you get to see The Gentleman this weekend? I did. No, I'm so excited. You got Richie. You do you didn't get to see it, Stephanie? No, I did, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Yes, Mickey, Raymond, and Fletcher are the three main parts of the story. Fletcher, who is a dirty private detective, finds dirt on rich, powerful people, then tries to sell it to the highest bidder. In the in this instance, Fletcher has dirt on Mickey, who is the weed lord of England. But like any very successful man, Mickey has a Mrs. Uh, has a Mrs. Rosalind, so Mickey wants to settle down and sell his drug empire. And this is where the story kicks off. There is double crosses, those who attempt, uh, those attempted murder assassins, and a pound of flesh that needs to be claimed, all wrapped up in a Guy Ritchie blanket of awesomeness with gunfights, car chases, and gangsters galore. It's directed by Guy Ritchie. Uh, he directed, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, Rock and Rolla. Sherlock Holmes, Aladdin. I have a very weird relationship with Guy Ritchie movies. I loved Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I thought that the movie was fantastic. I'm in the minority. I was not a big fan of Snatch. Um, I, I enjoyed Aladdin. I thought it was fun. But, like, I haven't been a huge Guy Ritchie fan since, like, his first movie, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which was, like, so promising. And so I was kind of, like, I saw, like, the... The Rotten Tomatoes scores and they're high, and I'm like, okay, all right, let's see, let's see. What, um, I'm gonna start off. I fucking love this movie, Stephanie. I fucking <laughs> love this movie. It, it was great, wasn't it? 
It was fucking amazing. It was so good. It was like, it was like, it was like, it's like some of the stuff that you think you've seen, like, you know, it's got like that kind of like Ocean's Eleven feel sometimes, you know what I mean? But that, you know, on the flip side, it does feel very much like, um, you know, like a Guy Ritchie film, like the old fucking school Guy Ritchie shit. And, um, I, I'm telling, one of the biggest standouts for me in this movie was, uh, and, and the movie stars, you know, uh, Matthew McConaughey, um, uh, Colin Farrell, uh, God, I'm trying to think of everybody that's in this fucking thing. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, of course, who was like, you know, that's, uh, Guy Ritchie's guy. But, uh, Colin Farrell was amazing oh. in this role. Um, as the coach. Oh, superb. my. Superb. So good. <laughs> uh, get into this one a little bit, Stephanie. I want to know your thoughts. Oh my God. So I had, I had already kind of, I was weary about going to see it. The trailer looked really interesting, but Guy Ritchie movies for me have pretty much been a miss. Not because I feel like the movie doesn't have good meat and good bones and good structure, but a lot of times I feel like when I'm watching his movies, he's thrown all of his ideas into all of his films and they feel, they tend to feel crowded with ideas and concepts. Yeah. This movie was, I don't know what he needs to do this every time he makes a movie. This movie was superb. Yeah. Um, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant. Yeah. As Fletcher. Yes. Blew me away. Um, Charlie Hunnam was apart from being easy on the eyes was amazing. I agree. Colin Farrell, the, the twist, like I would things were thrown at me. I wasn't really expecting humor. I, I, I laughed a lot more than I thought I would. Everybody was just superb. The story was interesting. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it wasn't like your run of the mill, like kind of drug kingpin, like movie. It was just, I was, I was, I was, thoroughly impressed it was very good yeah you've got i mean at at the beginning of the movie you've got hugh grant who's showing up and he's talking to charlie hunnam who's kind of like the right hand man of um mickey who's played by matthew mcconaughey and he's telling this story he's uh, a private detective he's finding dirt on people and he uses that dirt to basically kind of like um uh what's the word i'm looking for um where you can extort money out of them, uh, bribe them, or what, what, I, I can't. Uh, blackmail? Blackmail, thank you. Um, so he's trying to like basically blackmail them and try to give, like, try to get 20 million pounds out of them. And as he's telling this story to Charlie Hunnam's character, we're getting basically like the flashbacks of the story being played out throughout the movie. And it's really engaging and it's great storytelling. And there's so many twists and turns in this. And, uh, I mean, so many great scenes in this too, like Colin Farrell, uh, with the, the kids at the, he's like at a, he's at a restaurant and those kids try to, <laughs> try to pick a fight with them and shit. And I'm just like, <laughs> I thought that that was incredible the way he handles them. I loved, and he's always wearing like these, these, plaid jumpsuits which i have never seen those before but i want to fucking own one now <laughs> and like all the kids he's they call him the coach because he like trains these kids as fighters like boxers and shit like that and then they start to get involved in some illegal stuff and that's how he gets thrown into this whole world and um but there's this so he's like at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to like these you know criminal organizations and then you've got Matthew McConaughey who who's at the top and then you've got like this other fucking uh gang which is Henry Gould uh Henry Golding 
uh, from Crazy Rich Asians is in this, and he he's got like his own gang that's that's trying to build their power and their empire, and um, all it's it, this movie is just batshit crazy with twists and turns, and it's some great stuff. I couldn't believe that this was like this is Guy Ritchie at his finest, in my opinion. This is real. I, it's on par with Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, if not better. Yeah, this movie was excellent. It was excellent. I I mean, I don't even know what to say. It was excellent. The scene with uh, Charlie Hunnam and he goes to um, get the girl and bring her back to her parents. Yeah. The whole scene in that apartment. Yeah. I, I mean, like just reading these kids for filth. I loved every, I just loved every minute of it. I thought Matthew McConaughey was really good. He, he was wasn't good. my favorite character in the movie, but that's not saying anything because everybody else was just so excellent. Right. Yeah. He's like this. He's like the biggest weed dealer in England. And he he, he every, like he every year that he is like 50,000 tons of marijuana and nobody knows where it's coming from, where he's where they're planting it, anything. And he's looking to sell his business. And so, like, he brings one buyer in and shows him a little bit of the operation. And that's when things start going fucking crazy in this movie. And. Um, it's all about him trying to figure out like who's setting him up and, uh, there's attempts at his life. It, it this is, it, it's so incredible. I, uh, and then like even the crazy twist at the end of the movie, which I'm not going to talk about, but, um, when Fletcher goes in and has that meeting, I was like, Oh my, this, it was almost, it was almost bad, but it was so bad <laughs> that it was good. So I yeah, loved I- it. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was just amazing. It was, and the some of, and the scenes were Fletcher's telling um, Charlie Hunnam, whose name I can't remember right now, um, when he's like when they when they go back and as he's telling the story and they'll go back to him sitting in his house and telling him the story. Like even those scenes were just really good and yeah. funny. Their interaction between the two of them, like the awkwardness, it just. I mean, this was superb. Probably, it's one of my favorite movies. Of the last, like, six months, I'd say. Oh, yeah. It, easily. Easily. Yeah. And I can't believe, like, my audience, I had a great audience. We were all laughing at the same parts. Um, this movie uses the word cunty more than any movie <laughs> I've heard ever in my life, and I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, Tupperware the fuck out of the gentleman. Everybody has to go see this one. This is, like, I don't know. It's one of those, like, everybody's going to go see, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I think like this is the most Tarantino-esque kind of Guy Ritchie film I've ever seen. It's like the most on par with the Tarantino movie that Guy Ritchie's ever put out, maybe since Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. It's so good. Excellent. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, the Outsider. Uh, let's talk about The Outsider. This is a miniseries on HBO based on the novel of the same name by Stephen King. The Outsider begins with a seemingly straightforward investigation into the gruesome murder of a young boy. But when an insidious supernatural force edges its way into the case, it leads a seasoned cop and an unorthodox investigator to question everything they believe in. This one stars Ben Mendelsohn, Jason Bateman, and Cynthia Erivo. Jake, you've seen this. Stephanie, do you get a chance to see any of The Outsider? Uh, yes, I watched the first episode. Okay, I've seen the first three. Jake, where are you? Uh, just the first episode myself. Okay, I've seen the first three. Um, what did you guys think of the first episode? Um, I loved it. This was a giant Tupperware for me. I, I just thought it was fantastic. Um, I love it when they do these mini series, and it seems like they can kind of 
draw bigger stars to do a television series with the promise of it just being a one season engagement type of thing. And yeah, I thought Ben Mendelsohn was just fantastic in that first episode. And uh, this is a Stephen King book I have not read. So the mystery is very much a mystery to me. What is what is going on here in this uh, murder? And yeah, I found it very thrilling, very dramatic, very exciting. I It was good stuff. I can't wait to see more of this. Stephanie. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm hooked. Uh, the There's something that happens at the end of the first episode, which makes you question the investigation even more of a photo, they, the, you know, video footage that they've seen. And I'm, I didn't know that it was based off of a Stephen King book, but now knowing that I think I probably have more like a clear vision as to what type of a, of a series this would be. But like at, at the end of the first episode, I'm not sure if this is like just a straight crime, like investigation miniseries, or if there's going to be some sci-fi elements to it. It's, it's so interesting. And I have no idea what angle it's going to take or what direction it's going to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm invested for sure. Yeah, it's 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 weird. There's like this this murder that happens, and you have all these people that say that you know they saw uh, Jason Bateman's character of Terry Maitland there at the crime. Oh, a, a little girl is an eyewitness says that she basically sees him walking out of the woods. But the woods is where this boy was killed, not just killed, pretty much mutilated, and he's got blood on his face. He's acting weird. And all these things connecting him. But on the flip side, there's this evidence that he was out of town at this convention and they've even got him on video at this hotel. Um, so it's like there's this weird thing going on here where, uh, you know, his fingerprints are all over the body of this boy. It, it's like he's got his DNA evidence there, but he's also got his DNA evidence. Uh, they found DNA evidence at this hotel that he was at. So like, they're baffled. They're baffled by this. Um, I loved the first two episodes. I thought the first two episodes were absolute Tupperwares. By the time we get into the third episode, they introduce a new character and things have changed quite a bit. And I, I, I need to watch the third episode again. I'm going to give the third episode a taste it because I don't know exactly where the story is going now. Um, and if it's getting a little too convoluted, but um, I, I tell her where the first two episodes and the third episode is just a taste it for me. I need to watch that third episode again because they introduce a lot of new things and a lot of new concepts into that third episode that I just kind of uh, it, it just wasn't as engaging to me as the as the first two. But um, I mean, Ben Mendelsohn's doing a great job just playing a detective here as opposed to playing the villain that we see him play in every fucking thing else. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. When when he's asked, you know, how he really feels about this in his gut, whether he did it or not, I thought just even his facial performance during that scene was just amazing. Like, he's really, really bringing it here. Yeah, yeah. How many, I am. Um, oh, go ahead, Stephanie. I was going to say, how many, I didn't look to see how many total episodes there were. How many are there total? Oh, that's a great question. I'll look it up now. Yeah, I did not look either. I heard that this story has direct major ties to the Mr. Mercedes trilogy, Ooh. at least in novel form. Yeah, I think I heard that somewhere as well. I don't know how much they're going to try to tie it into this since that the, the audience network is going away, the AT&T. Yeah, yeah, I read that. I read that. Yeah, and I agree with you, Brian. I, I don't think it'll have any maybe very subtle, but I, I doubt they're going to try to 
weave and tie into right. an audience network TV show. Yeah, there might be an Easter egg that fans are like, oh, wow, cool. But as far as like tying it into another series that's on the audience network, did they finish Mr. Mercedes after the third season or was it supposed to go a fourth? Uh, there's three books, and I I'm yeah, understanding it, that it was supposed to go three seasons, one for each book. Yeah, because like now the audience network is done over there at AT and T. So hopefully they just hopefully they finished it. Uh, I, I I I personally just watched the first season and I loved it, and then I watched like maybe one or two episodes out of the second season. I just never got back to it, but um, it's going to be ten episodes, Stephanie. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I watched Aquafina. Um, the what is it? Nora from Queens. Oh yeah, lots of buzz about that. How was that? Good. Like yeah, there's tons of buzz, and it was a huge hit for Comedy Central. This being another pilot and being a comedy, I'll give it a straight taste. It. Um, I. It's definitely something I'm going to keep up with, though. There were definitely some great moments in the episode. So yeah, I, I definitely watch this one judge for yourself, but I think it might take a few more episodes for me to really like fall in love with this show, but I liked it enough. I'll give it a taste it. And it's something that I'm definitely going to stick with. It's cool seeing her on comedy central doing a show a weekly show. So yeah. And I like her overall. Like I've been really impressed. I, the farewell is one of my favorite movies of last year. So yeah, yeah, she's great. So it seems like she's got a good career out of her. All right. That is all I have for Good Pop, Bad Pop. Do you guys have anything else? No. Nope. All right, let's move into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Uh, real quick news. I got this from Dark Horizons. Uh, Issa Lopez, she's the director for Tar- Tigers Are Not Afraid. Uh, that movie's on Shudder. I highly fucking recommend watching it. It's really fucking good. It's like the closest thing I've seen to like early fucking uh, Guillermo del Toro shit. Like Pan- going back to like Pan's Labyrinth, you know. Uh, Issa Lopez, oh, wow. she directed Tigers Are Not Afraid. Watch it. It's on Shudder. Fucking phenomenal. But she's going to write... Uh, the script and direct an adaptation of the Matthew Baker short story Lost Souls from Searchlight. Uh, Noah Hawley is going to produce this one. So he's teaming up here with Issa Lopez. Uh, the film is set in a world in which some babies are born without souls. A young expectant mother is sent to an unusual wellness center in the desert with the hopes that it will improve her chances of delivering a healthy baby. So that's all I know about this project. I'm just letting oh, wow. you know that this is something that exists. Pretty creepy what you got, though. Pretty yeah. fucking <laughs> creepy. Uh, Issa Lopez and Noah Hawley working together. I am intrigued. Guys, I'm, I can't stress this enough. Watch Tigers Are Not Afraid if you have a Shutter account. Watch it. It is a phenomenal fucking film. And uh, her teaming up with Noah Hawley from Legion, from Fargo. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this project. Uh, got this news from Dark Horizons. Mattson Tomlin, the co-writer behind Matt Reeves, the upcoming Batman film, has been set to pen a screenplay for the upcoming film adaptation of the popular Capcom video game series Mega Man. Oh no! <laughs> Based on the inf- why? Oh no! Could th- could this not be good, or is this going to be another Sonic? Is, is it going to be live action? Uh, I I hope not. I honestly, I think the only way Mega Man could work and be cool would be as completely animated, like a Netflix Castlevania series. 
Yeah, except I don't. I don't know. It doesn't need to be gory necessarily. No, that's now. I'm saying animated like a Netflix. I'm not saying that Mega Man's going around fucking blowing people's heads <laughs> off. <laughs> Doctor, uh, he Dr. shoots. Wily gets eviscerated. Is, is it Doctor? Oh, is it Doctor Light or Doctor Wily? Doctor Light's the one that made Mega Man. Doctor Wily's the one that tries to steal him and stole all the other. Oh, robots. that's right. That's right. Doctor Wily. Oh, Mega, Mega Man 2 has some of the best music in video games ever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, no argument there. Oh, you know, I Mega Man is, is like Rockman. Yeah, Rockman. That's in Japan. Yeah, Rockman. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It still is. So they just changed it because it. he's not like a guitarist, you know? Yeah. Based on the influential and globally beloved franchise, Capcom aims to appeal to a diverse audience that goes beyond mere fans of the game. Released for the original Nintendo Entertainment System in 1987, the game proved to be tremendously popular and has spawned a series of sequels and spin-offs over the years. The 11th title in the main series arrived in 2018. The film adaptation will reportedly be canon, maintaining the world of the games while incorporating blockbuster production values. So... What are they, what are they going to do? Are they going to have like a human play Mega Man? He was always kind of like like when we saw him in the Captain N series, he was like this fucking short little guy with uh I don't know, he had like throat cancer. <laughs> Mega high. Mega high. Yeah. <laughs> you do it really well. Mega high. <laughs> <laughs> My throat hurts hearing you do that. So he was he was in that series with Simon Belmont too. Speaking oh, of, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Castlevania. Bizarre. But yeah, Captain N. That's a flashback. Oh yeah, King Hippo with his green nipples. That was weird that they made King Hippo green. I think it was some kind of like thing where they 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 didn't the licensing rights or something like that. I thought it had to do with they couldn't show him with his shirt off unless they made him look more alien. Oh, probably. Yeah, they didn't want to have like give him fleshy nipples. Exactly, exactly. They couldn't do that unless they made him green. I heard they did that like after the fact. The voice of Mother Brain was the voice of the fucking uh, plant in uh, the Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, Aubrey too. Uh, yeah, Audrey too. Feed yeah, me Seymour. Right. Yeah. Oh God, I loved Captain N when I was a kid. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. I bought the uh, DVD box set when they came out with it, but then was pissed off because it didn't have the third season. What are they going to do? Are they going to? Are they going to like? Are they going to cast like a regular sized kid or guy to play Mega Man, like in a like a Tron looking suit, running around shooting people and shit? I just I see no imaginable way that this looks good. <laughs> or is he going to look like? Is he going to look like? Uh, is he going to? You know, they're going to do it set in that world. Are they going to do like some kind of like mocap with an actor and make him look like a short little Mega Man dude running around? Yeah, are all the other people going to look like yeah characters from the fourth Batman movie back in the day? You know, basically know. <laughs> fucking weird, man. Like, ugh. yeah, and, and it's weird how they say it's canon, which makes me think they're gonna like have all their own bad guys. They won't use like classic ones. They'll have their own series of eight new, you know, Bomb Man or whatever. You're saying or that they man they won't use the characters from the video games. Well, they'll have Doctor Wily and Doctor Light, but they'll if it's gonna be canon, it'll be a whole new slew of robots, like it is every time. Oh. Um. 
Well, I was thinking that they would just use existing robots from the existing games. Like, it's not going to be like a, you know, like when we get to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, where they fucking, instead of getting Rocksteady and Bebop, we get Taka and Razor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, I don't know. The, 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 the dialogue about them saying that it's canon with the video games makes me think it'll be a whole new original slew of boss villains. I, I, they said the film adaptation will be reportedly canon, maintaining the world of the games. Yeah. So I just think that they would use what they have in canon of the existing video games to, to bring this picture well, I mean, to it's life. Not really, there's no really greatest hit selection. and To me, that's always one of the coolest things about every new Mega Man game is the slew of eight guys. And in the last, like, seven of them... They show all the, they take fan submissions now to create the boss guys and they show all the different fan arts in and for all the ones they rejected and what they end up like deciding on. It's really neat how they do that That's in the cool. credits. Yeah, but like, I, I, I don't know if like, you know, it's like a lot of these, uh, things that are coming back, these properties that are either coming back or like they're bringing into the, to the light now. It's like that they're pushing to the forefront of cinema is, is they're feeding off of our nostalgia. So I would imagine. I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, the disconnect is I don't think anyone in the middle you have nostalgia for it. The nostalgia is for Dr. Wiley and Mega Man. And I think everything in the middle, like no one gives a shit. It's not like people are going to reject the movie because it doesn't have fireman. Yeah. But None like as you're playing character, as you're playing those levels, you remember like how that character moved, what weapon they used. And like, I don't know. I just think it might be easier for them to just be like, okay, we've got these existing designs of these characters. How do we update these to look good on screen and have these characters be something interesting for modern audiences? I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I think we both agree. I just think, it's potential that they could come up with different boss characters where Wiley is still the one who made eight new boss characters. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. The only reason my brain went that way is them saying it takes place in the canon world of Mega Man. And if it is the canon world of Mega Man, then Mega Man's already defeated 11 games worth of boss characters of which every time they come up with eight new ones. And Dr. Wily will have eight brand new boss characters. Yeah, but we don't know. Brand if, new weapons. We don't know when this. Blockbuster movie. We don't know when this is set, though. You know? That's true. Very true as well. It could be fucking Mega Man 1, the movie. Yeah, we're going to build a story around what we already have right now. You know, as far as Mega Man. Yeah, I also went down that path, too, where I thought, well, this won't be an origin story. Oh, that's what I, that's what I want to see. Origin story. Oh, I Mega would Man. rather see that too. I would rather see that too. That's, that's a lot more interesting. And if it is an origin story, then it makes a lot more sense that you're casting a potential real actor, right? Yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. I don't know. It's so weird. Will this ever happen? Is this really going to happen? Are we going to get to see this? Is this really happening? What will happen first? The Mega Man movie or the Tetris movie? Oh, fuck. I think both of those have a better shot of happening before we get the He-Man movie. (laughs) Did you hear about that news? We're still getting the cartoon, though, right? Cartoon's still fine, but, like, the Noah Centennial, that one, like, they cast that Netflix darling Noah Centennial that's doing all those fucking Netflix rom-coms. They cast him in the role of He-Man, and I'm hearing, like, they they might just be like, we're done with this. We're not doing it. Like, I think it was, like, Sony? I can't remember if it was Sony. But they were going to, it was going to be a theatrical release, and then it was like, no, it's going to go to Netflix, and now I'm hearing, like, it may not even come out. Into the trash. Yeah. 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 
Uh, which oh, wow. I, I, you don't cast Noah since. Oh fuck! Speaking of like, I, I always wanted Chris Hemsworth as as He Man. Oh it, yeah, that's dream casting, right? That's it, just an act. It just makes sense. Did you see this week? I don't know if it just came out this week, but I saw it. Somebody posted on fucking Reddit, and I'll send you the link to it. Somebody posted the um, Tom Hiddleston. He originally uh, um, uh, tried out for the role of Thor, and they posted his fucking. Uh, um, testing for the role of Thor. He had blonde hair and he was doing all this shit. Did you see that this week? No, I have not. That's really great, though. I need wow, to. Wow, that's trippy. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. I'll send you that shit. It's nuts. I saw. I just, I literally just saw it today on Reddit. Somebody posted it. So that's funny. I wonder if it was after that audition they were like, "Well, this guy's Loki." I think I probably probably yeah <laughs> yeah that's well. But yeah, the Mega Man. I, I it'll be a big flaming pile of trash but nonetheless i'll be there opening night i don't know i don't know i'm gonna see sonic but like if i wasn't doing this podcast i wouldn't see sonic i would not go to the theater and see sonic if, if i was not doing this podcast i agree with that i would watch sonic on if it was on one of the subscription services i already pay for i was a bigger fan of Mega Man though than i was sonic to be honest Oh yeah, me too. Me too. Mega Man is maybe my one of my easily my top three franchises of all time, still to this day. And I think my favorite Sonic game was Sonic CD, though. Yeah, that's a good one. That was, oh, that was my favorite. My favorite Sonic game is Sonic Spinball. Mm, I don't know if I played that one. Yeah, it was like half Sonic game, half pinball game. But you actually like did run around and do things as Sonic in between the pinball levels. It was really great. My other favorite was uh, Sonic Spin Class, where he's on a fucking bike, one of those spin bikes. And it's, oh, just, yeah. it's, it's just a spin class. And he is just, he's on one of those Peloton fucking bikes, and he is just killing it in that spin class. Just Are you making it. that up? 100% making that up. <laughs> Sonic Spin Class. I like Sonic Spin Cycle. Where oh. he just goes to the laundromat and cleans his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good too. And he, I like uh, Sonic Spin Doctors, where he's fucking <laughs> <laughs> one, two, Prince is here before you. Just go ahead now. Won't that Scott? Diamonds in his pockets. This one wants to give you some rockets. Yeah, go ahead now. <laughs> oh, man. The best part is the Tales tradition of uh, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Little Miss, Little Miss, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. What you gonna do to get into another one of these here rock and roll songs? Yeah, alright, sorry. Um, I don't know what just happened there. I apologize. Brian, for my spin doctors. Fucking spin doctors. Sonic spin doctors. Sonic spin doctors. Anything spin, right, Jake? We're just, we're, <laughs> yeah. can you think of any? <laughs> Sonic Spinderella, where he joins fucking with... Uh, oh, where he sues uh, Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper, yeah. Yeah, they're not cool any, anymore, right? Spinderella is pretty pissed off. Yeah, still. they won't, like, pitch. She's saying, like, they owe her money or something. It's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, it's gotten real dirty. Yeah. Marvel News. Marvel.
Apple News. According to an interview with Digital Spy, Patrick Stewart has talked about Professor X. Well, uh, he's talked with Kevin Feige. I, I guess we can come to the conclusion that he talked to Kevin Feige about Professor X. I can't see what else they're talking to each other about. But here's what Patrick Stewart said recently. Quote, I met with Kevin Feige a couple months ago, and we had long, long conversations, and there have been moves and suggestions which include Charles Xavier. So is he talking to him as a consultant? Is he talking to him um, just to as a courtesy at this point, Jake? Because also in this interview uh, – okay, yeah, let's tackle that first. Is Kevin – was Kevin Feige really approaching Patrick Stewart about Charles Xavier and maybe reprising the role? Yeah, potentially. I mean, that would be an odd choice. I mean, especially given that they, you know, Fox has already killed the character off. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, anything is possible. Yes. Anything, anything is, is possible. anything is possible in the multiverse of madness, correct? Yeah, correct, correct. Would it be so terrible if he did reprise his role as Professor X? I thought he would. Eh, terrible, no, but needless, mm, probably yes. I mean, uh, think, you know, think about that. It, it, think about that ending in Logan, and for him to come back now after that. Uh, I, forgot, I almost forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah, it kind of no sells that, and that's not cool. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. But if it's done really well and you show it to me, it would probably give me the feels as well. Like, I'd be like, oh, I'm a hypocrite. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. At one time, he said, okay, at one time, it started off, and I correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, but I think, like, he started off saying, like, after Logan ended, like, oh, I'm not, I can't revisit this character again. Then in another interview, he was like, yeah, maybe, you know, and this is at the point where Hugh Jackman says he's done. But he says, like, maybe I could come back, like, if the script is amazing or some opportunity or something, blah, blah, blah. I feel like now, now he is doing this Picard series. I think it's going to be super successful. And I feel like he doesn't see, like, the real need to – I mean, we're lucky that we're having him revisit a character – Jean-Luc Picard that we never saw thought that he was going to revisit. He's revisiting that character. I think like this character of Professor X is the one that he's going to lay to rest uh, after, you know, how Logan ended. It's the perfect ending. And, um, you know, it, it's it's I, I think that he with this new opportunity of doing Picard, something that he thought that he would never do. But like. You know, probably reading the script and getting an idea of the, like what they're going to do with the character in the Picard series. Like he's like, I'm going to focus my attention on this. You know, and as as appealing and as probably think about think about that. You're 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 talking to Kevin Feige, like this guy. Everything he's done, he's been able to spin it. I'm using that word again. Spin it into gold, <laughs> right? He's been able to spin it into gold. And so you like, like if any, I think if anybody was, was able to bring him out of like retirement of playing Professor X, it could, it it would most definitely be Kevin Feige. But he also said, uh, in this interview with Digital Spy, here's the problem. If we had not made Logan, then yes, I would probably be ready to get into that wheelchair one more time and play Charles Xavier. But Logan changed all that. So he's kind of like gone back because like he's kind of, flip-flopped on this for a while and i feel like he's you know there's one moment where he like said yeah i might come back who knows 
you know, after saying he wouldn't. And then I think like this Picard thing, this show is like what he's focusing all his energy into now is like the legacy of this character going forward. And he feels like, I feel like he values the going, these characters going out with these epic endings. You know what I mean? And like, that's what he's going to do here. He's going to leave after this Picard series is done and over with. He's going to leave that character with just an epic ending that he's satisfied with. He feels like he's told the story of that character. And I mean, yeah, to bring him out and play Professor X again, to me, just it kind of like takes away the impact, I guess, of like what we saw in Logan. And I still I yeah, I I still think that that just an incredible performance. I I don't (laughs) I don't want to see him come back, sadly, you know, because I love, but I love him. I love him as fucking Professor X. Yeah, yeah, I am exactly right there with you. I, there's no way I wanted it at all, but they probably could pull my heartstrings if they did it anyway. Mm. Yeah. What do you do? You think like if they're having talks with him, are they having talks with uh, James McAvoy? Mm, I don't know. Probably. I don't think they'd be. I don't know. He's not as iconic in the role as Patrick Stewart. Probably not. Stephanie, I, you sound like you had something to say there. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more optimistic that the meetings were, in, in maybe about him reprising the role. Although I agree, I can understand why the finale of Logan lays the character to rest in a way that is memorable and kind of, and you know, and in a way that, and, and uh, you know, you leave at the top kind of a thing. Yeah. And I think that movie was done so well that I think that's a great way to exit. I think out of all of the X-Men characters, um, he would be the one that I think people would be most accepting of bringing back. If, mm. When they choose to do the movies again, I think he was. He, I think he's the one that people would be the most welcoming to if they chose to do it. But I understand if they did it. Yeah, would it be confusing though for viewers? You know, that's it, one of those things that I'm kind of like, you know, because like, okay, you bring him back, and then all of a sudden, but we got a new Wolverine. Like, is that going to be confusing to people? So it's like, I, I wonder if like Kevin Feige just sat down with him as a courtesy, if he was really serious about maybe bringing him back as Professor. Access Charles Xavier. It's it's interesting. I would love to hear more about that. I would love to hear Kevin Feige's comments on that, and not bullshit Kevin Feige comments where he's just yeah I don't you know <laughs> just give me the real Ooh, shit yeah yeah just give me the real fucking shit just give me the real fucking shit. What was the deal? Was it just a courtesy or you know I don't know. Maybe he was just using his freaking power to even have a conversation and dinner with Patrick Stewart in the first place. For all we know, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we got a uh, we got more rumors this week uh about uh we've got the uh Falcon and Winter Soldier series coming out on Disney Plus. Uh we saw some pictures of uh Wyatt Russell as a US agent and those pictures depict Wyatt Russell holding Captain America's shield. Now at the end of Endgame, we've got old Steve Rogers giving the shield to Sam Wilson, the Falcon, and uh <sighs> Here's the thing. Like, I've read Sam Wilson, uh, uh, excuse me, Anthony Mackie has said that um, Sam Wilson will not be taking on the role of Captain America. He will not be taking on the role of Captain America. Like, I guess he was left the shield 
at the end of Endgame, but he was, he is said that he is, I don't know if this was at CCXP or what convention it was, but he said he is not going to be Captain America going forward. Um, but here's the thing. We see these pictures and it's U.S. agent played by Wyatt Russell holding Captain America's shield. How did he get it? These are questions that we're going to, I guess we're going to have to uh, find out when we watch this show. Um, so. I have a question. Yeah. He will not be taking the role of Captain America just in the Disney Plus series or in any future Marvel film, period, or just period. That's a really good question. This is, uh, this is from, uh, I got this from comicbook.com. It says here, Mackie has, however, clarified that he will not be the new Captain America. I think period is how I took it. So it'll be interesting to see how the mantle passes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if at all. So, um, and like, here's the thing. Mackie walked out onto San Diego Comic-Con floor in Hall H holding the shield back in July. Now we're seeing pictures of Wyatt Russell in the U.S. agent costume holding the shield. This is during uh, these photos have been released from the Atlanta set. And I actually posted them on our Twitter. So um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking like the U.S. government shows up to like fucking, you know, Sam Wilson's apartment or whatever <laughs> and confiscates the shield. Or like he comes back to his apartment or his house, walks in, shit's been tossed around and the shield's fucking gone. Yeah, I could see it. If he was smart, he'd put that shit in his car, like where they put like the fucking, <laughs> where they put the donut for your, 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 your tire, you know? Yeah. It was probably just an inch too big. Probably tried that and was like, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. This also could be misdirection, which is not uncommon. So there's a chance yeah. that maybe in a future film it may pop up, maybe just not now and in this series. But I just find it hard to believe that with the ending from Endgame. Mm hmm. And kind of the stink that Chris Evans made after Endgame about the talk he had with Mackie about the shield and all of that stuff. Sure. That we're never going to see him in that role. I well, just find that kind of hard to believe. Here's the thing. I like what Stephanie's saying. It could be misdirection, but I do think part of the story is the U.S. government wanting to, you know, the whole reason that they have U.S. agent is because, you know, uh, the U.S. government's trying to control who's going to be the next Captain America. They're not letting Steve Rogers, like, pass down the mantle to someone else. They're basically, the U.S. government is like, oh, Captain America is property of the U.S. government. So they come out with U.S. agent, played by Wyatt Russell. And this is going to be a, a, a struggle that we're going to see throughout this season is, you know, you've got two guys basically that have, uh, one that's been sanctioned by the government to be the next Captain America and then one that was appointed by Steve Rogers himself. And that's going to be, we're, they're probably going to find out that this U.S. agent is not who he seems to be. It is probably going to be one of the, you know, villains of this show. And I know Baron Zemo's involved in this, but this is where the next rumor comes in. Um, this is from CBR.com and they're talking about, 
the Thunderbolts might make their Marvel Cinematic Universe debut in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this was on Daniel Rickman's Patreon. He's Daniel RPK on Twitter. And uh, he's had some scoops in the past. He reports that Falcon and Winter Soldier will introduce the villainous team, which was led by Baron Zemo in the comics. Daniel Bruhl, of course, will reprise that role in the Disney Plus series. We've seen pictures of Daniel Bruhl on set. He's been confirmed to be in the show. Um, Zemo isn't the only Thunderbolts character making the MCU rounds again. William Hurt's General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, another leading Thunderbolts member, will return in this May's Black Widow film. Uh, an MCUized team could also tap into the characters like Ghost, who survived the events of Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Taskmaster, who will debut in Black Widow. So I don't know what they plan on doing here with the Thunderbolts, but like if you read any of the Thunderbolts, and I think like the I think the the first the debut of the Thunderbolts back in like, you know, uh, the late nineties, uh, with, with, by Kurt Busiak and Mark Bagley was the best. That was the best that we've seen from the Thunderbolts. And like, you know, they try to do other Thunderbolts teams in the last few years. I remember like they had this whole fucking, uh, I think this was back in 2012 or 2013 where they tried to get like all the anti-heroes in the MCU that, had red like they had punisher who had like a red costume in this one they had red hulk <laughs> red hulk played by you know general ross they had deadpool was part of the thunderbolts um they had all these red she hulk too i believe he pro- yeah probably red she hulk and they were all part of the thunderbolts team that it was a terrible run I, I i bought the first issue and i was like this is absolute garbage but I think like the Kurt Busiek stuff is the best. It's all these villains that were basically, um, you know, they, they, they were these, they, they appeared to be superheroes, like this new superhero team. And then they were re- revealed to be all these villains like Zemo. And, um, yeah, so it's one of my favorite books of all time. It, it was right after the whole onslaught debacle. Yeah. Uh, Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld took over all the major heroes like Fantastic Four and Avengers and Captain America and Iron Man. So all the heroes were gone. Yeah. Uh, the Baron Avengers. Zemo created the Thunderbolts yeah. to strike back while the, all the heroes were gone. They yeah. Just- all the Avengers were killed by Onslaught. And so this team was created. And then it was – and it was brilliant. It was a fucking – it was a it was amazing comic. And, and so I think that – that um I, I think this article is interesting that they're talking about you know ghost from ant-man and the wasp and taskmaster being part of maybe this team and this is something that we've heard rumors about years ago that thaddeus ross you know they were talking about him showing up as red hulk a long time ago so it's like we might get william hurt doing mocap for fucking red hulk jake yeah that would be really cool i bet he would really enjoy doing that yeah what a role! Like it, you know, it just keeps paying off more and more for him. No shit. Yeah, I would love to see Red Hulk too. I think that's really cool, and I think it is something that could be uh, contained only to uh, Disney Plus series. Like, I don't need to see it theatrically. I think the Thunderbolts type of plot lines work better as a like serialized story. Years ago, years ago, after a director did a bang up job on a movie, they asked him. What other superhero team would you be interested in directing? And a one James Gunn said Thunderbolts. Yeah. Yeah. He's always been a big fan. Yeah. 
So, so, and I mean, they're very cl- honestly. James Gunn is doing the Suicide Squad, which has a lot of similarities. Yeah, true. Very true. Very fucking true. Uh, Bleeding Cool. Uh, they had a story. I don't know how much stock I'm going to put into this. Bleeding Cool is either right or wrong, and and they're not. We got this covered, but they're not on the flip side. They're not Collider. They're not fucking. You know what I mean? They're. They're at Screen Rant. Yeah, I mean, so they've got this. They they've been informed about two new shows coming to Disney Plus, and I, I want to state that these are rumors. First up, they said we'll be getting a Secret Invasion TV show based on the Marvel comic book by Brian Bendis and Lionel Francis Hugh. The comic book revealed that a number of people in the Marvel universe were scrolls and had been scrolls for some time as part of the planned invasion of Earth by a religious sect of scrolls. In the comic, that included Spider-Woman and Elektra. The Marvel Studios TV series is intended to tie in with the Captain Marvel movies, though Spider-Man Far From Home showed scroll agents working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and potentially S.W.O.R.D. So they're talking about a uh, scroll invasion TV show. I, Jake, I don't know. I, I would think that this would be the next big Captain Marvel event, that it wouldn't be a TV yeah, I'm not show. Yeah, it is a TV show. Yeah, it needs to be a bit more impactful. You would think something like this would impact things that you could only show in a cinematic release. What's weird, though, is like, okay, it kind of ties in with like these rumors that we're hearing. Like, what was it? Uh, Hulkling and Wiccan are going to show up in the uh, Doctor Strange 2 film? Yeah. And like they had like big roles in in that storyline. So I, I don't know what to think about this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just like every other from comic book to cinematic storyline, there'll be differences. So, I mean, I think the reveals will be completely different than they were in the comic book. I mean, the biggest reveal in the comic book was Spider-Woman, who wasn't even a character in the MCU. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I So it'll be interesting to see who, like, who would you peg as the biggest sleeper agent scroll they could they could flip. I mean, to what level of a character would you name? Yeah, yeah. Like, you would think that it would have to be somebody that we've been spending time with all along, right? Yeah, it's no fun. There's no investment if it's, let's introduce this new character, and then, oh, it's a scroll sleeper agent. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, right? It seems yeah. like it would have to be a character that we've already seen in at least one or two movies previous to the series. Or there's no real impact or reason to do it at all. Secret Invasion sounds like an like an event. It doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like something that you'd have relegated to like just a show like called Secret Invasion. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's seems- I agree. I would rather if we're going to take a big event and make it a Disney Plus series, I would rather we do Secret Wars that way. Because honestly, I think if you did that as a TV series, you could make the plot a lot more goofy than you would have to if you made it in the MCU. You could just have it all these heroes get warped to battle yeah. world and we get all these battles and it could be like even though it was canon, it would still kind of be the side story because in the comic they just froze time the entire time all these battles were going on. I've always thought the Secret Wars if they did it in a movie, it would have to be another kind of like Infinity War where it's two parts. Yeah, yeah. That's why I do kind of think the more I think about it it would be better regulated to just like a, a series because the, even the plot itself kind of 
steps it outside of the current storylines. Yeah, but like, are you going to get the big names like Hemsworth and all these guys to do this secret? Yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. I don't know how you do it and how you get all the big characters, but yeah, it'll be interesting. They're, They're really keeping it under the lid what that next, like, end point of Avengers movies is going to be or MCU big events. The second series that they're talking about is another series that has been Greenland. And just as with Loki, WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we will be getting another Marvel movies, a lister live action TV series for Disney plus a solo TV series starring one of the main characters from the Marvel cinematic universe. I've been told to expect someone closer to Loki levels than say the vision who could that be? Doctor Strange, Star-Lord, Baby Thanos? I don't know. I can't know everything. So that comes from Bleeding Baby Cool. Thanos. I don't know. I would – like who would you want to see like if it's – if it's an like an, a, an A-lister? An A-lister? I mean I'd love to see a – just a, give me a fucking Rocket and Groot show. We've actually talked about mm-hmm. that. Like when they first announced Disney Plus, we, we were talking about like a Rocket and Groot show before they were – you know, before they met Peter Quill, you know, them two just kind of like how they met and tagging around the universe and, you know, uh, collecting bounties and shit like that. Yeah, I love it. And I I feel like Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel would do that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Vin Diesel, Bloodshot. What do you think about that Bloodshot trailer? It's pretty bizarre. I think it looks fun, dude. Bloodshot, like the comic is like, I've only read a little bit of the Lemire stuff. I didn't read like the old Valiant comics, but I let, I, like when Lemire started on Bloodshot for Valiant, I started reading that. And like, it's a guy who's like, he's dead or some shit and he's like got nanotech and it keeps him alive or whatever. And I don't know. I thought the trailer looked pretty fucking fun it looks like it looks like a movie that came out in like 1998 or some shit like you know what i mean <laughs> i agree with that i agree with that i think it could make a lot of money oh god yeah i think vin diesel still got fans yeah i agree i yeah. agree man i read all those valiant comics when they first came out like it was just yeah. all the buzz so i just bought them all up until like the unity crossover that they did i, I had every single fucking one are you talking about the old shit and the old di- back the in old the- shit yeah i didn't read any of the old sh- i like like when they came back in like 2012 or 2013 i started reading it so i started reading yeah. like like what was it fucking um i started reading shadow man quantum and woody fucking yeah i started reading all that shit but yeah, my, my comic book store guy like really talked me into it all before it came out. And I remember I was pretty young when all that stuff was coming out. And mm-hmm. a lot of those books were like, they would do like the wizard top 10 hottest back issue comic books. And like half of them would be freaking valiant titles that I had. They're, they're really good. And I think like that's what they're trying. It looks like from that trailer, from that trailer, it looks like he's fighting a guy who's like in the Exo Man of War suit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exo Man of War was my fucking favorite. Exo Man of War is pretty cool. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see, I'd like to see, uh, it doesn't sound like it from this description for this Disney Plus series, but I was hoping to see a Shuri series from, uh, oh, Black yeah, Panther. That's fantastic. Cause I want to see more of that Wakanda. Like, I don't feel like we, I want to spend more time in Wakanda. God damn it. I'm not going to get more <laughs> Wakanda until like fucking, what is it, 2022? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a significant t- chunk of time. It's a twenty twenty one to twenty. Uh, yeah, it's like like um, that's I think like you know like when we were talking about like most anticipated Marvel movies, you know when they first announced Phase Four, 
I was like, okay, where's my Black Panther movie? That was my first question. And then the second question, then, then I was like, okay, I guess it's, uh, I guess I'm looking forward to the Doctor Strange one. I guess I'm looking, but then they announced the Black Panther 2, and I'm like, okay, that, that that's the movie that I'm looking forward to the most. <laughs> but I want to see more Shuri, you know, cause like we, we, we didn't, all we saw from Shuri, it was at the at end game was like at the end of the movie where we get that fucking one shot of Wakanda and she's standing there with her mom, you know, and it's like, come on, I want more, I, I want more Wakanda. I really, I really, that movie is so fun. That movie is so, I saw that movie five fucking times in the theater. Five fucking times in the theater. And Infinity War was already out and I went back and I watched Black Panther. Oh yeah, one more I, remember. Time. I remember. Yeah, God. I had so much fun with Black Panther. I love that, that scene where they're in that, it, she's driving that car remotely is one of my favorite scenes. I loved it. That action scene was so, it's like James Bondish. Like she's James Bond and he's just like, Fucking a badass on top of that car. It's I love that fucking movie. Um, yeah, it's great. Black Panther is definitely top half. We got some Captain Marvel two news this week. Did you guys see this stuff coming out? I did. No. Captain Marvel two in the works with WandaVision writer. So, okay, a sequel to Marvel's. Uh, this comes from THR. A sequel to Marvel's billion dollar grossing Captain Marvel is officially in the works. The company has tapped rising scribe Megan McDonnell, a staff writer on the Marvel-based series WandaVision, to pen a script for a follow-up to the 2019 pick that starred Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, McDonnell is in final negotiations to seal her deal. Sources say that Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who wrote, who co-wrote and directed the initial film hit, will not return to helm the sequel but are in talks to remain in the Marvel Universe and direct a possible Disney Plus series. Marvel is hoping to find a female filmmaker for Captain Marvel 2 and is eyeing a potential 2022 release. Details of any high-flying take were not revealed, but the new story will move from the setting of the 1990s of the original movie to the present day. Hmm. Yeah, I... I'm surprised they're going to do um, more period piece stuff. I kind of thought when we did Captain Marvel 2, we'd go right to uh, present day. That's what they just said. I just literally just said that. The, the new oh, story. I thought you. No, I said the new story will move the setting from the 1990s of the original movie to the present day. Oh, okay. I misheard you. I thought you said the movie itself would, would move us from the 90s to the present day. My apologies. The new story will. Yes. But it'll start at the present day. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's good. I just read it, I just read it the way that they wrote it, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm the idiot. I, I, I know. It's I, fine. I just, it, I just misheard you. You misheard me. Yeah. It's Instead of the 1990s, we're going to go into the present day. So if Samuel Jackson's in the movie, he's not going to be de-aged. We're going to get present day Nick Fury. Um, first off, I want to say, okay, here's – okay. So the Disney Plus series that they're working on, like Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck are working on, I wonder what that's about. Like, it's not concrete, but I wonder what that's about. I, if I had to, if I had to, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask: Is the the person that they were talking about to get the to write the sequel has she has she written anything? Else? She's doing like, the wa- this- 
She's doing the WandaVision show. I don't know what she's done other than that, but but the, uh, she's Megan, in the news right now for being the one writing the uh, live action Bambi movie too. I believe, right? Okay, yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I saw that they're doing a live action Bambi, but I had no idea. But she's it's Megan McDonald, and she is writing the WandaVision series. So with her on the WandaVision series, um. I'm sure that, okay, with her writing the WandaVision series, that leads me to believe that Monica Rambo is going to be showing up in Captain Marvel 2. Yeah, that makes sense. That I mean, we know there's going to be connections, and why have the same writer if you're not going to use them to connect from, from TV to movie? Yeah, Monica. Yeah, they've confirmed that Monica Rambo is going to show up in the WandaVision series. So with the Monica Rambo showing up in the WandaVision series, that 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 also makes sense that she'll show up in Captain Marvel two when you have Megan McDonald writing it, and maybe that's one of the big reasons that they have her on this project. Um, I'm not sure if Monica Rambo is going to be Photon like in the comics just yet. And then I was also thinking, like, that Disney Plus series that Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden are working on, maybe that would be a Photon series. I don't know. That'd be, I would love a Photon series. I love that character. I think she was, like, the second Captain Marvel. I don't, how many Captain Marvels yeah, have there that's been? that's correct. Yeah. They introduced her, I believe, in West Coast Avengers originally. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So, I don't know. I was trying to look up information... Um, for Stephanie about what else Megan McDonald has done, but I'm not finding really anything besides what's coming. She might just be new. Yeah, know. it's looking that way. Yeah. Is it is it crazy to be slightly worried if there's if because Wanda and Vision obviously isn't out yet, so to kind of be a little hesitant about somebody completely new taking over the sequel to Captain Marvel because it was so successful and was such a good movie and like. I don't know. That kind of makes me a little nervous. Is that odd? I I only think you can go up. I mean, I is, but, but th- she's writing it. She's not directing it. Fair enough. Fair so enough. I and honestly, I think like I think I loved Captain Marvel. But on the flip side, if they can get a different director in there to give us better action sequences, I'll be happy with that. That makes sense. I agree with that. And I think, like, this next movie, thinking about, like, Captain Marvel 2, um, you know, what do we know about her? Like, she's been in outer space now, you know, for, you know, for a long time, as you know, and working with the scrolls, and they got that space station out there. And I want to see this more cosmic base, because, like, really all we've seen cosmic-wise is, like, what we've seen in, like, the Infinity War films, and then, of course, what we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think we need to have another cosmic-based team out there. I would love to see kind of, like, her, you know, working with scrolls and maybe working with Photon and just, like, out there in space and have, like, her own team out there in space and working with Nick Fury. I mean, you know, because a lot of the first movie was Earth-based, you know? I like that, kind of carving out their own space in the MCU, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with Captain Marvel 2 and see who we get. 
uh, as director. Um, I got a side note here. I, like, Jake, Doctor Strange, fucking, you know, Scott Derrickson left. Who would you like to see take over as director for Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness? Hmm. Ah, man, that would take a lot of thought. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Just right off the top of my head, Stephanie, do you have any ideas? Like, think of like horror directors. I guess like that's kind of like where they went with the first one. I think that's probably Ooh. where they would stay, as far as like you know, picking a director for Doctor Strange. Not a tough one. My my choice, um, and I didn't think about this until like last week. Mike Flanagan. He directed um, Gerald's Game on Netflix. He directed episodes of uh, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. He -hmm. did uh, the most recent Doctor Sleep movie with Ewan McGregor. And then he directed uh, Ouija Origin of Evil, which is like the sequel, but a prequel to the first Ouija movie. The first Ouija movie was garbage, but the Ouija Origin of Evil was actually really good. And that was Mike Flanagan. So I would... I. I think Marvel would be crazy if they didn't fucking at least sniff around Mike Flanagan's butthole to get him <laughs> in this. Yeah, this I could see that. I, I do like the idea of if we can't have Derrickson still trying to get a, a somewhat creditable horror director in that role. You, I think you got to after fucking after Kevin Feige comes out there at San Diego Comic-Con and says this is going to be a horror movie. But then he backtracked on it. But on the flip side, it's like. At least get somebody that's familiar with horror on this. I don't yeah, know. I think that'd be really cool. Maybe they should just throw a bunch of money at fucking James Wan, right? Oh, he ain't, he, do a Marvel movie. He ain't leaving Aquaman. He's he's not he's not he's I don't think he's leaving Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Did you see that, uh, Jake? What do you know anything about Brother Voodoo? Um, the Marvel character? Yeah, yeah, I've read a little bit about it. It's. Like he, I believe his like brother died and his brother's like a spirit that's always communicating with him as well. I know about brother love from fucking WWF back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. He introduced the undertaker. Yeah. Brother love. Was that? No, that was Paul E. Bear, wasn't it? Uh, Paul Bear eventually was his manager, but the first time we saw the undertaker, he was brother love's secret weapon on his survivor series team. Oh wow! Shit, spitting some fucking knowledge. Spittin', yeah, <laughs> spitting. Fe- I remember. I just remember Brother Love was like, "I love you," and then Polly Bear was like, "Oh, my Undertaker will defeat you at WrestleMania." I, I don't- <laughs> oh yeah, I, Brother Love's connection with the Undertaker did not last long. But yeah, at one point there was no Paul Bearer, and Brother Love trotted him out as like a secret weapon. Okay. All right. All right. Mystery solved. Um, <laughs> Brother Love, it's a pretty hilarious character. Seeming like to poke fun of all like the TV televangelist type of type of characters. Yeah, I think they had like the real dude that played Brother Love, like doing that Vice TV show. I was watching that Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. They had him no. like talking and shit. But um, I don't know anything about Brother Voodoo, so I'm not even. But they're talking about Brother Voodoo showing up in uh, Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. That was a Rumor that came from the Illuminati this past week. That's cool. Yeah, I, I've read some a bit of the character. I, I just always remember he's forever haunted by his brother dying because his brother is literally right there still talking to him as like a spirit. Mm. 
Um, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, go ahead, Stephanie. With what you both know about the Doctor Strange character from the comics and with the route they seem to be taking for the sequel, do you think that final scene, I think it was close to the final scene in Doctor Strange with Chitawa Ajio 4, he killed that guy? I can't remember. Is that something that could play? Do you think that that'll, whatever that subplot is, will play into the scene? Is that something that you think could play in, given the direction that they're going? Because I was interested by that. I was intrigued. Hmm. It does seem like they're kind of uh, taking steps away from Doctor Strange 2 being necessarily a direct sequel to Doctor Strange. Yeah, but I, I think, like, they will definitely have to get back to Baron Mordo. Like, I don't know if Baron Mordo is going to be a, a big part of Doctor Strange into the multiverse of madness because we're already dealing with, you know, Scarlet Witch. And, like, dude, is the big question here is I guess people are saying Nightmare is going to be the villain. But, like, on the flip side, it's, like, it's tying so heavily into the WandaVision series. It's tying so heavily into that series. It almost makes me wonder, like, we've got Wanda who's, like, I don't think that she's, like, come to, like, terms. Like, I don't think she's come to... I don't think she, she knows the full extent of her powers. We're talking about a character that in the comics said no more mutants and wiped out like most of the mutants, right? Like 80 to 90% of the mutants, only leaving a handful of them. Like, I don't think that, and, and Kevin Feige has gone on the record of saying that Scarlet Witch, no, he said Captain Marvel's the most powerful in the, in the universe, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, I've gone on record for saying, I wish they, That'd be super cool if they did the House of M stuff and just like it already happened and we as an audience don't know about it. Like that's why there aren't mutants in the MCU or haven't been. Uh, like that would just be really well, fucking awesome. When we're like, intro- I, but I don't know where it was, like where you would fit that in in the timeline. Like I guess like the five years that we didn't get to see, but she was she was gone. She she was gone during those five years. I don't because like when we first meet her, she gets her powers from the fucking. Mindstone. I mean, it could have even happened. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. It would have happened to happen so early. It only makes sense. I'm just if saying. It happened recently. I'm just saying, like, by the end of the WandaVision series, what if she's the fucking villain of Doctor Strange into the multiverse of madness? Yeah, that would be fucking awesome. That's what I've been Give saying. Her. I've been. I, you can go back and listen to old episodes. That's what I've been saying. Is I think like into the multiverse of madness for me, what I kind of like wanted to see from this series is, uh, excuse me, the WandaVision series is like, she, she was, her powers were created by the mind stone. So in her mind, she's keeping vision alive in her mind. She hasn't dealt with the death of vision. And, and so in her mind, she's kind of keeping that character alive. And it's kind of like a, a trippy kind of like we're look we're getting a look into her brain in this one and like maybe manifesting some of these things into like real life like we don't know she's she she doesn't know how powerful she is and it may drive her fucking mad and by the time and that's what the series ties into is like you know she might be the villain in the next Doctor Strange movie i don't know if it's going to be so much a team up movie as it might be like her being the villain, but like we've also heard like the rumors of Nightmare being the villain. So I, dude, I don't know. I, I have no fucking idea what they plan on doing with this. Yeah, I've always thought Nightmare would work better as like through episodes of TV or something. I don't. It, it feels like a side story to have Nightmare be a villain in a Doctor Strange movie. I mean, I love the character and all, but 
I don't know. I just don't know if it's going to work as like a poster villain. Yeah. Huh. Let's move on. Let's move on into DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. Did you see, I don't know, I posted on Twitter today. This dude, Ash Thorpe, is the guy that's in charge of, uh, I guess, creating the new Batmobile for the Matt Reeves, the Batman film. I didn't see it. I'm going to your Twitter right now. Yeah, he talked about, uh, it looks like uh, the rumors are that the new Batmobile... Well, they're talking about. I, I, I read some rumors about the new suit. I don't know what to believe. I, I, I think the rumors about the suit are more iffy. I, I can't believe all the rumors about these suits. There's tons of rumors coming out on DCEU leaks on Reddit about the suit, and I think I think a lot of them have been debunked and they're bullshit. But I hear like, I'm hearing that this movie is going to be the most comic book accurate movie we've ever seen. So that's one thing to consider. But on the flip side. This Ash Thorpe is the guy that's in charge of creating the new Batmobile. And apparently his quotes are that the new Batmobile is going to be less militaristic and it's going to be more of a muscle car. And then he posted a picture of this one car and I posted pictures of it on Twitter. But um, we might – they're saying within the next month we might get our first looks at the suit and the Batmobile. And I'm hearing the rumor and it's not 100% confirmed, but I'm hearing we, we might get to see this on Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. Isn't Batman Day coming up really quick, too? Um, I thought that was in the first quarter of the year every year. I can't remember. Remember when it was Harley Quinn Day that one year? No. I think that, that happened. Yeah, I think they skipped Batman Day and made it Harley Quinn Day. Or maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I mean, you could be right. Yeah. Batman Day 2020. I still oh, need Bat, to... Batman Day is September 21st. I'm an idiot. Stephanie, are you watching the new Harley Quinn animated series? No, I'm not now. You should be. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. I haven't watched the new one yet. It's really good. It's really tickles my funny bone. Lots of ha ha ha's. Lots of ha ha ha's. And you know, at first, I'll be honest with you. At first, I was just like, "Oh, this is just crude humor, and it's just Harley dropping f bombs and being edgy." Ooh, ooh, you know. Like, uh, but as the episodes went on, I think like once I got to like episodes three, four, five, six, I started to really like it. It's really good. I'm really digging the fucking show. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. It's really fucking good. Harley Quinn. I can't, I can't remember if you've said this on a previous podcast. Are you looking forward to Birds of Prey? I am, I am very, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm very trepidatious. Trepidatious, there's your word of the day. I'm very trepidatious when it comes to this movie. I've hear, I, it, and what makes me worry about this movie so much is not, I, I don't know if they've had a clear vision on this one. I think, I, I think like at one time they were like, we're gonna do PG-13. At one time they're gonna do R. There was in the initial, um, film like, uh, these, this, this thing where, uh, you know, Black Mask has these dick pics that are released, and he wants to to get these dick pics back. That I guess they reveal that his lover is Victor Zaz, and um, he wants to get these dick pics back. I've heard they've taken that out of the movie, but on the flip side, he is still homosexual, and he his lover 
Victor Zaz has been killed. And I think he's been killed. If you're listening to the trailer, um, Harley Quinn talks to, I can't remember the actor's name. She was in Fargo and she was also in Clover 10 Cloverfield lane. Um, he, she talks to that actor and she says, you killed his BFF. And I think that's like code for like, once we watch the movie, we find out that that was her, that was, um, you and McGregor black mass lover and she killed Victor oh, Zaz. Wow. And so I, that, I hear that that is still in the movie from the DCEU leaks. There, people have watched screeners of this and like, I've literally read a lot of the, the plot and like what happens in this movie from the leaks on Reddit and the people that have seen it. What's wild about this one, Jake is like everybody that sees these trailers says they absolutely hate the trailers. Like they don't like these trailers. I think the trailers are okay. I don't think that they're great. I don't think that they're like a hundred percent like memorable. Like they don't stick with you. Like, Oh my God, I got to see this movie now. And the movie's not tracking for a huge weekend to be quite honest with you. Like as far as like superhero movies are concerned, but I hear like everybody that's seen the seen it has like really enjoyed the movie. They 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 thought it was a good movie. But on the flip side, like people that have seen like the Wonder Woman screeners, like half of them like it and half of them don't. So it's it's I don't dude, I don't Stephanie, I don't know what the fuck we're gonna get with this movie at the end of the day. Like if I if I'm a betting man, I'm gonna say it's not gonna be good. Do I want it? I want it to be a surprise. I want it to be a surprise hit. I want this to be like fucking Days of Future Past where I'm going in thinking this movie is not going to be great. But at the end of the day, I walk out and I was like pleasantly surprised. Like, wow, this movie. Wow. It was awesome. Because the trailer, the trailers look, the trailers look different. Like it's, it's, it's not like they're trying to do Deadpool. But I'm, I don't know, Jake. I don't know, Stephanie. What do you, Stephanie? What do you think about it? What do you think about this at the end of the day? What do you think about Birds of Prey? I think it's. I don't know if this is even going to make sense. It kind of looks like it's trying too hard. The trailer does. Yeah. But it won't keep me from seeing it. But I also don't have high expectations. Mm-hmm. But it, it it could be good. The the trailer really doesn't make me lean one way or the other. Um, although I won't be surprised if I don't find it very enjoyable. Is it this, is it, is it the stink? Is it the stink? Yeah, that's the thing. Is it the stink of all the other fucking movies? Absolutely. Yeah, for me it is. Yeah, it's hard to just trust the trailers anymore. Even if the trailers don't look awful, it's like, I don't know. It's still to me, it's ever since that first Suicide Squad. I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm just going to wait until I see it before yeah. I get really, really excited or really, really get my hopes up that it's going to be a good movie. Yeah, I, I can't say that I'm super excited for this one, but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I don't. I haven't thought this is going to be the worst thing ever yet. I still have hope that there's a chance that this might be a fun movie. It just seems. I feel like. I feel like they've just. They've, they, 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 I think, I feel like they've reshot things. I feel like they've taken stuff out. They've added, they don't know. But I mean, that's, that's what a lot of movies do. I mean, a lot of movies do this. God damn it. Look at Star Wars now. They don't know what the fuck to do. You know, if, unless it's the Mandalorian, they don't know what the fuck is going on with Star Wars anymore, right? They don't know. 
We had Colin Trevor. I was supposed to direct the episode nine. Jake, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, look at how far he got into the process with yeah. all the stuff we know in the last few weeks. Well, shit, the, all the rumors of like, dude, we, I reported a fucking rumor on this show back in the day about like this creature that Kylo Ren comes across that is like mm-hmm. a head that's on top of a bigger head and he's talking to it. <laughs> and that was from the fucking Colin Trevorrow script, dude. Yeah, and just the pictures that they showed. Yeah, we talked about a lot of different, a yeah. lot of that stuff leaked into the uh, stuff yeah. we were talking about. So what about, uh, did you read this uh, Justice League Dark stuff, Bad Robots Developing? This is, it looks like J.J. Uh, Abrams, you know, they did the deal with uh, Warner Brothers. Bad yeah. Robots going to be doing uh, some Justice League Dark stuff here. So back in the day, we were going to get Guillermo del Toro doing a uh, Justice League Dark movie. That never happened. Justice- Guillermo del Toro went on to do The Shape of Water and won a fucking Oscar. Good for him. But he never got to do his Justice League Dark. But it looks like Bad Robot is going to be developing uh, Justice League Dark. And um, it's uh, – I think it's going to – is it animated? Is this going to be an animated thing? Hmm. I didn't. I didn't know that. I thought it was going to be some kind of live action thing. It's. Uh, hold on. It's. Uh, this is deadline. I hear that Bad Robot, through its new deal at Warner Media, is exclusively developing both film and TV ideas based on DC's Justice League Dark Universe at Warner Brothers. So it hasn't been greenlit apparently as either a film or a TV. They're going to pitch it, and I guess they're going to go from there. But man, oh my God! If we could get. A series with uh, fucking live action Zatanna, uh, ch- uh, you know, uh, Dead Man, uh, John Constantine, Swamp Thing. <laughs> it's J.J. Abrams, though, so it's only going to be really cool at the beginning. Well, it's his bad robot team. It's not like J.J. Abrams is going to direct this, right? I mean, no. if you look at, like, yeah. if I'm looking at, okay, and here's the thing. It's like, I can talk, I get I get on here and I talk about a show called Servant. A ser- Stephanie, have you watched Servant? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say it like I was possessed by a demon? <laughs> Stephanie, have you watched Servant? And like my head's spinning around and I'm <laughs> spitting up pea soup as I'm talking about it. But uh, I'm telling you, like, it's one of those things, like, uh, fucking, you know, if you're looking at Servant, it says, like, yeah, produced by M. Night Shyamalan. And so, like, everybody's, like, associated. And that's not, it's Tony Bazgallop. That's the guy who's, like, running that whole fucking show over there at Servant. And that show's a fucking Tupperware. It's one of the best shows I've fucking seen. Um, all year it's fantastic but uh this is one of those things like i you know it's bad robots that's in charge he'll he'll be in a producer jake but like at the end of the day like who knows who's going to be in charge of this universe and who knows if they're going to go with a film or a tv or or a tv show i mean this could be like a new show on um on the DC universe, if they ever fucking have it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's... <laughs> oh, could it? <laughs> Wishful thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you know, they're pumping out new shows all the time, every day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know, you can save 60% on a uh, annual subscription now, too, if you want. God damn it. It's like... I literally go on to DC Universe every Friday or whatever it is. Yeah, every Friday to watch a new Harley Quinn episode. And that's it. And then I'm out. Oh, they did drop the Wonder Woman Bloodlines movie. So that they are still dropping some of the animated stuff. But yeah, Justice League Dark. 
I'm excited. Have you watched the uh, Bloodlines movie? I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched yeah, me it either. I'll watch I need to, though. I didn't know it was on DC Universe. I'll check that out. Yeah, it's on DC Universe. Oh, my God. If I could get a live-action Zatanna, though, that would make yeah. my... Oh, God, that would make my life. I love Zatanna. She's awesome. Yeah, you'd be fine with her first introduction being in a team movie. Hmm. Not preferable, right? I don't know if I, I honestly, it's like I don't know if I'd want a solo Zatanna movie right off the bat. Yeah, that's true. Where else do you introduce her? Maybe in a Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a Suicide Squad movie. You could do it in a Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but they did that with Enchantress. It's almost like the same fucking thing. It's like the curse. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. No, but yeah, it's like I don't think you, I, I think in the movie universe you don't have to have her be a villain at the beginning. You can just have her be a hero right from the start too. I wanted to be a hero, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what do we got? Star Wars news. I haven't played the Star Wars bumper. I think in like ten years, dude. Should oh, I, I wouldn't know. Should I play? I'm gonna play that shit. Yeah, do it. Do I have? Yeah, here we go. You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. Hey, Stephanie, did you watch The Mandalorian? I did not, no. What the fuck are you doing? I've never seen Star Wars. Hold on, let me oh, can double, I, dear lord. Here's the thing. Can, let me throw this out to you, Stephanie. I'm no okay. nothing but love for you. You're fucking awesome. I love having you on the show. Thank you. Number two. I didn't start with number one, but now I'm numbering shit. <laughs> number two. My sister is not a Star Wars fan. My sister don't really give a shit about a lot. This is weird. This is a weird. It's a weird dynamic. Me and my sister have. I love her to death. Love her to death. She doesn't really watch a lot of the sci-fi stuff. Now her her husband does. He's into Game of Thrones and he's like into Star Wars and he has some like key issues of comic books and stuff like that. I think he has like the Wolverine, you know, the Incredible Hulk 181, 182, the first appearances of Wolverine. He's got some key issues of comic books, Jake. Now, that's cool. But she's not really into that whole world. She does watch Game of Thrones. She did get into Game of Thrones. which I was very impressed. But my sister's not really into like sci-fi. She's not really into the comic book stuff. Very different in that aspect, me and my sister. Mm-hmm. She did like Care Bears and Smurfs growing up, though, so I throw that in her <laughs> fucking face. Why were you so fucking cool back then? Why the fuck did you like Care Bears and the Gummy Bears and the fucking Smurfs? But now you're older and you're just watching fucking, I don't know, this bullshit that you watch. But anyway, my sister doesn't care about, but what I'm trying to get to is like, my sister doesn't give a fuck about Star Wars. I don't know if my sister's ever seen a Star Wars movie, but god damn it, they introduced Baby Yoda. My fucking sister loves Star Wars. She wa- she fucking loves The Mandalorian. I mean, it's all over my timeline. It I is. Mean, it's, a, it's all over the place. It is. It is. It's all over the fucking place. This Baby was, Yoda. Sorry. I was told that it, I don't know if I, that I, cause I, I'd asked a friend who is into Star Wars and I said, well, the baby Yoda's cute. Like, would it be worth it for me if I've never, I've only seen The Force Awakens, would it be worth it? And she said, you probably, it probably wouldn't, you wouldn't get it if you've never seen a Star Wars movie. Is that true? Your friend is a liar. Okay, fair enough. She, and she's been known to be. That is a, that is, 
<laughs> that is a bold faced lie. No, I not a good friend. I I honestly think that um, I, th- I yeah I think that you can step into I think you can step into the Mandalorian and appreciate it just for the story. Okay, I do. I do. Jake, I, am I wrong here? Um, I, I think it's pretty accessible. Yeah, I think you could step right in. I, I think thematically you'll get what's going on. Um, I, it's not too Easter egg heavy where yeah. you have to know the Easter egg to be getting enjoyment for, from what you're seeing. They're there. Yeah. They're there, but it's like you don't have to know them. You can be just like oblivious to that shit. Oh, it's not like at the end of that fucking one episode, like Stephanie's going to be like, oh, I have a feeling like that cat that hissed at fucking Yoda was important. And like, I would tell you it was a loath cat that we saw in Rebels. You would not give a fuck, Stephanie, because you didn't watch Rebels. But it's okay. like, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like, I honestly think that I, I think that it's pretty. Yeah, like Jake said, it's pretty accessible. My sister doesn't give a fuck about Star Wars. She doesn't give a shit about Star Wars. But she loves the Mandalorian. I, and Baby Yoda is like, I think like Baby Yoda just captivated everybody's imagination. Like everybody fell in love with this fucking baby. I started watching this show and my sister fucking loves it. My sister loves the Mandalorian. It's fucking weird. Okay, I can give it a go. Give. Is, are, the, are the episodes long? No. no. I mean, they're kind of mm. all over the place, but yeah. I think the first one's like just like a half an hour practically. Yeah, like, you know, they go from like 30 minutes to like, you know, 44 maybe tops. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's do. That's totally doable. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd dig it. I'd give it a shot. I'd give it a shot. I'd, I'd, I'd at least give it like maybe three episodes. Three episodes, and if you're not hooked after three episodes, then yeah, bounce off it. It's not your thing. Okay. Yeah. No. I appreciate the advice. I'll give it a go. I, yeah. That was. I was hoping to do it before I spoke with my friend, and then she. That kind of pulled me off of it, but I trust your the opinion of both of you, and so no, I'll definitely give it a go. Yeah, I don't. I think I'll think you'll like it. I'm, I'm just speaking from like my sister because she kind of she loves it, and it's it was weird to have my sister sending me fucking Baby Yoda memes. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird. Yeah, I've never I bet. I've never had that kind of like interaction with her before, so it was bizarre. Um, there were reports earlier last week that this Obi Wan series was not going to go forward. Then days later, the rap was informed by a source that the story circulating was totally inaccurate and that the show is still moving forward, as announced last summer. And this was from Yahoo Entertainment. They said the story is actually a a hoax created by a clearly labeled joke Twitter account called Dick Sucking. Dick Sussing film. So it's not discussing film. They spelled it D-I-C-S-U-S-S-I-N. So it was like, it looked like it was coming from discussing film, but it wasn't. It was coming from this, you know, parody account. Uh, the clue that the story wasn't on the level should probably have been obvious, uh, been the obviously misspelled dis- uh, discussing in the handle. But in case that didn't do the trick, the account's bio says parody account, not affiliated with discussing film. Um, what happened is that on Wednesday, Discussing Film tweeted, Ewan McGregor has exited the Obi-Wan uh, Disney Plus series due to creative differences. The joke was immediately recognized by the account's followers. But on Friday, a couple of fan sites, including that hashtag show, and we got this covered, took the tweet at face value and ran with it, causing the matter to become a trending Twitter topic. Jake, I, first off, like, there's more to this. I'm going to get to it. But like, Anything that comes from we got this covered, 
you got to take it with a huge grain of salt. Like, I think, like, their calendar is stuck on April 1st. Like, all their fucking news articles just seem like April Fool's Day's jokes. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to we got this covered, yeah, they took it at face value and reported it that way. But I wouldn't be surprised if they knew from the get-go that it was a joke and still wanted to get those clicks. Sure. And, like, it was real. Yeah. Like, that's how kind of despicable they are. Uh, a couple days later, we got a new report, though, from Collider stating – and, it's like, here's the thing. Like, the first reports were, like, Ewan McGregor has exited the show. It's over. It's not happening. Then a couple days later, we got a new report from Collider stating Obi-Wan series on hold as crew sent home. Two independent sources with knowledge on the, of the situation tell Collider that the Obi-Wan series has been put on hold as the crew that had assembled at Pinewood Studios in London was sent home. A time frame was not given, but the crew was told that the show would be down indefinitely. Uh, we're hearing that Lucasfilm president and Obi-Wan, uh, Obi-Wan producer Kathleen Kennedy was not happy with the scripts. Sources tell us that there will most likely uh, ha- uh, happen is next. The scripts will be reworked with the hopeful goal of reassembling this summer. But there's always the possibility that the time frame could shift. Apparently, what I'm hearing is that the scripts were too similar to the Mandalorian. And what I mean by that is like, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi was protecting Luke on Tatooine and then also flying off planet and still protecting princess Leia. And they said it was too kind of like too much like the Mandalorian where the Mandalorian is protecting baby Yoda. And it just felt too similar. And she was like, we can't do this again. This is the same fucking story. And so she's like, we got to do something new. And that's what I was hearing. And like now everybody wants Kathleen Kennedy's head because of this. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they've been getting a lot of hate for this right now. And they're blaming Kathleen Kennedy. And I feel like some of it, some of this online shit is just fucking stupid. Like, I feel like if you don't like Kathleen Kennedy for whatever reason, like, if you don't like her because you're a sexist, then that's bullshit. But if you just don't like her for, like, certain other reasons, then, I mean, that's your opinion. But, like, I feel like there's, like, this one camp online that just feels like everybody that doesn't like Kathleen Kennedy is a sexist, which I don't think that's 100% true, but I think it's partially true for some people in those camps. Yeah, it's, like, 40, 40% true. Sure. It's, like, I don't know. It's, But I think, like, people are fighting with each other online, and everybody can have their own opinion about this. I like, but if I see, I'm going to come out here and say, like, I think Kathleen Kennedy like read this and she's like, oh shit, this is way too much like the Mandalorian. We need to rework this. This needs to change. We can't do this. This is just way too much like the Mandalorian. And I'm yeah, fine. I, that, I'm, that sounds great. I'm fine with that too. Like sometimes the job. Yeah. But if I, if I, producer, if I came on the show, if I came on the show here, Jake, and I said, yeah, I don't like what Kathleen Kennedy's doing. She's a big problem over there at Lucasfilm. Then you've got certain people that are immediately saying that I'm sexist, you know? So it's like, you can't, you can't, it's like, you can't. Oh yeah. Yeah. You just got to ignore that though. I know. But I, I'm, I don't feel like that. I feel like she's smart in this instance. And she's like, I don't think everything is that she's done smart to be quite honest with you. I'm not calling, I am not calling for her fucking head either, but I'm not going to sit here and defend every fucking decision that she's made. She hired Phil Lord and Chris Miller to do a job. They tried to do that job and then she chased them off of that fucking movie. So, um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that, but on the flip side, her getting these scripts in, 
um, and not liking them, I'm fine with her wanting to like rework this. So I don't know. I'm I'm going off on a bunch of shit right now, Jake. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm fine with her wanting to rework it too. If she read this and thought it was either a way too similar to Mandalorian or even B just not up to snuff, then I'm glad we're making that decision now mm-hmm. instead of you know when we fuck the previous fucks up fuck ups or when we get too far into the process. Yeah, and when we decide we, f- we don't like the direction. When we filmed eighty to ninety percent of Solo. Yeah, and even. You know, they didn't get, obviously didn't get that far into episode nine, but it's a little bit of the same there where Trevolo had gone down, you know, quite a bit of the process creatively before getting the axe. So I like that. Trevorrow started his fucking script and his fucking stuff before Ryan Johnson even stepped into his movie. Yeah. It's exactly. true. I mean, it's no, true. No, yeah. It, but it's one of those things where, like, people say, like, oh, they didn't have a clear vision for this trilogy from the get-go. And, like, well, they, they I guess they kind of they, – they did, but it just kind of, like, fell apart, you know? And then they – now, you know, and, and then they brought in J.J. and we got what we got. So, um, Stephanie, yeah. why did you stop after Force Awakens? You were like, fuck this shit. Um, no, I actually enjoyed it, not having much of the story, and I saw it in the theaters, and I thought it was really good. I just didn't want to go forward without having, like, the backstory of the first one, and then I got advice to watch the first three, but not the next three, and then and I was like, this is just yeah, yeah, this is too much. I need a fucking roadmap. I don't even want any part of this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're almost better off. Yeah, after seeing seven, eight, and nine, it's like, eh, just watch Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost, if you're Stephanie and you have no exposure to Star yeah. Wars, that is you're almost, it, seriously like uh, if I want to like direct you to great like great Star Wars, I would watch like the original Holy Trilogy and then watch the Mandalorian and then yeah, there you go and you could watch really yeah yeah as far as like the movies are concerned, I'm not getting into like you know the, you know well movies and TV live action TV, but I'm not getting into like the animated stuff, but yeah, that's where I would go. I, I said that those are simple instructions I can follow. Yeah, yeah. Just watch A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and The Mandalorian. You're good to go. Boom. I can dig it. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, Ewan McGregor responded to the reports, to the rap, and I'll read his quotes. And these quotes also line up with his quotes that he had for the Associated Press. I won't read those quotes. I'll read the rap rap quotes. Um, We just pushed the shoot to the beginning of next year. The scripts are really good. I saw 90% of the writing and I really liked it. See, I don't know why he's saying that because, like, they – Kathleen Kennedy didn't like the scripts. It doesn't line up. But he goes, all this bullshit about creative differences and all that stuff, none of it is true. We just pushed the dates. They want the last episode nine just came out. Everyone had more time to read the stuff that has, that has been written and they felt they had, they wanted to do more work on it. So they slid the shoot. It's not nearly as dramatic as it sounds online. Uh, McGregor then clarified that the delay is probably not going to impact the show's original scheduled release date. He said the show, uh, the show starts shooting in January and I think they want to keep the same release date. So it's not really going to affect the viewer in any way. It just simply gives them more time to write, make the scripts even better. So I don't know, Jake, his quotes don't really line up with the, what 
what Clyde. Yeah, he sounds like a. I, when I read this, I saw this on Twitter. He sounded like a PR robot, like just trying to calm down, like you know, fucking mouth breathing fans going crazy about this. Mm-hmm. He was just like, everything is fine, blah 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 blah. Well, fucking, like, and you're right, none of it lines up. Like with, yeah. with what we know is happening and what right. he's saying, he's just. He's just kind of spewing out a bunch of nonsense just to try to calm the situation. Well, fans are acting like they're acting like Chicken Little and shit. Like the sky is falling. Oh, it's we're not going to get this show. Oh, it's not happening. It's not happening. You're dead to me, Star Wars, until Mandalorian season two. And then, of course, like you know, the show's still happening. It's just been they're just delaying shooting a little bit. So he's still saying that the release date's going to be the same. I I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll we'll hear more. But the show, it's not dead, and like that's like I think the initial reports were that this shit was fucking dead. Yeah. Well, is Deborah Chow still showrunner? Yeah, I haven't heard that she's been removed. Yeah, that's cool. They just didn't like the the writer, whoever the writer was on this fucking thing. Who is the writer on this fucking thing? Megan McDowell. Megan McDowell. <laughs> yeah, Megan McDowell. No, she was not. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> she was the fucking no, lady from sorry. earlier. <laughs> That's all I got this week, people. That's it. This show sucked. Yeah. We we fucking like threw Stephanie off a cliff the second we went to Star Wars news. I know. You did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like tunes just the driving fucking cat for Stephanie when fucking Star Wars. <laughs> Stephanie, what you, like seriously, we've talked about nothing this episode that you like so, like, what do you want to what do you want to end this episode on? What do you want to talk about? No, I enjoyed a lot of the stuff from Good Pop, Bad Pop. Um, I would say one takeaway is for anybody who hasn't seen was it The Gentleman, the movie we were just talking yes, about? We yes, yes, yes. Please go see. I actually saw it this morning, the first showing at the theater this morning, and I cannot wait to go back and see it again. But, uh, but I don't like Guy Ritchie movies. Um, suck it up. Put a pin in it and go see it anyway. All right, it was yeah. good. It yeah. was. It was fucking great. I can't believe I'm fucking saying it. It was. It was a yeah. tremendous fucking film. Yeah. Like, Guy Ritchie made making good movies. I need to see this. It's really good. Jake. You got to see it. It's really fantastic. It's a fantastic fucking movie. I was blown away by the time I left the theater. I was just like, man, I had a really good time. That was a really great experience that I had. Yeah, there was a time when I thought Guy Ritchie was going to be a really big something, and you're right. It just kind of. It just kind of fizzled out there. It's like, this guy is like, he's making the movies, he's fucking Madonna, he's doing it all. <laughs> fucking Madonna was kind of the beginning of where things started going wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but man, not many guys can put that on their resume, you know? Really? Well, I, I don't know. Dennis Rodman can. Like, I mean, who else? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Yeah, there was yeah. a baseball player in there somewhere, I think. A-Rod. Sure. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. I wonder... I no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I wonder if she ever... It's like Family Feud all of a sudden. <laughs> she walked in. She walked... got six people that have banged Madonna yeah. on the board. <laughs> she fucking walked in on A-Rod eating a scab, and that's when the relationship uh. ended. <laughs> no, what were you going to say, Stephanie? I was going to ask Jake a question about something you mentioned earlier. Um, you had said something about Quentin Tarantino, a comment he had made about Marvel movies. I didn't hear that. Um, so I, I, if you could just tell me what, what, what he, what he said. Was he it similar said to that, what he said? said that cinema is basically at war with these big franchise films. Like in that movies like his and original IPs are at war with 
the MCU and the Star Wars movies and the franchise films and that uh, 2019 was a make it or break it year for uh, non big franchise movies. And they got they were lucky to survive it. Mm -hmm. Even though Endgame came out and that's all people talked about for three months that other big, you know, original properties came out and were he I didn't think the stuff he said was as hateful about the whole genre as as the Martin Scorsese of it all. I actually kind of agree with him to some degree that it does make it harder for the the smaller IPs to be made and be successful. I well, here's the thing. I think like the smaller IPs is we're going to see that stuff coming to these streaming services now. Yeah, yeah. I could I could see that as well. Um but a lot of the media really turned this into you know, he, he did use the phrase at war with the Marvel movies, but it's been kind of taken out of context with a lot of these clickbait. Dude, I don't give a fuck. Said. I don't give a fuck if Quentin Tarantino fucking live streams himself on the internet, on social media, taking a shit on Endgame. Like, I don't care if Quentin Tarantino pulls his pants down and takes a shit on Endgame. And I literally see, like, poop coming out of his butt and <laughs> plopping down onto the Endgame Blu-ray. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what anybody says about these movies. I still love them. I'll still watch them. And I'll still watch Quentin Tarantino movies. It's like, I don't give, it doesn't matter what S- S- Martin Scorsese says about fucking Thor or Doctor Strange or whatever. I don't give a fuck what this 70-year-old director says. I'll still watch Martin Scorsese movies. I think it's yeah. people get in this this huge fucking hissy fit about like what these if anybody says anything bad about Marvel movies or comic books or anything they just get mad they get outraged. Quentin, I can't believe Quentin Tino said this. And I can't believe Martin Scorsese said this. And blah blah blah. It's like who gives? Let them. Who gives a fuck? They're entitled to their opinions, just like you're entitled to your stupid ass opinions. So. Oh yeah, yeah, agreed. They they definitely made kind of much ado about nothing with the stuff that he was saying. I thought, like, I saw the headlines and I, I read a bunch of articles and I was like, well, this is basically nothing. People, just, I don't know. People just get mad when people like something or hate something. It's like, you know, it, I don't know. It's like I, I'm, I'm Jake. I'm happy. Like with the we're talking about Star Wars. I'm happy for the people that absolutely love the Rise of Skywalker. Whoa. What an amazing experience for the people that actually loved that fucking movie. You know, they actually, they got to go into that movie and walk out and be like, wow, wow, what a masterpiece. Thank you, J.J. Abrams, for wrapping up this 42-year-old story in a masterful <laughs> way. And they got to walk out of that movie. In such a grandiose way. No, like, yeah, exactly. It's like they get to walk out and they got fucking Mr. Doodah on their shoulder singing fucking zippity-doo. Oh, oh, we can't say that anymore. That's fucking terrible. I'm sorry. You can't. That's a, You're quoting the worst Disney I movie. totally am. That's a... <laughs> 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 oh god that was great I'm so that was so bad we got bigger problems than Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino opening their mouths on this show <laughs> oh, that's hilarious <laughs> I'm so sorry everybody it happens happens to the best <laughs> I, just, I was trying to think of something that had like, 
cartoon fucking birds flying around and chirping, and I should have went with Snow White, and instead I went with like <laughs> probably the most racist thing Disney's ever put out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> but I'm glad that you enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I dude, I wish I had that. Ex- I liked it, but I I like for the people that just like walked into that movie and were just blown away and walked out and just had like, I, God, I wish I had that experience, Jake. I'm, but, but I'm not mad at the people that love that movie. Good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I would have had that experience, too. Mm-hmm. I walked out and I was like, yeah, Babu Frick was cool. I walked out and apparently, <laughs> I, I, apparently I walked out and I was mad that Disney Plus didn't up, uh, didn't have Songs of the South on their streaming service. <laughs> <laughs> fuck! When can I get Song of the South in HD? <laughs> I'm waiting for that 4K re-release. <laughs> Disney Plus told me every Disney movie. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god literally like like as soon as i got into like the second verse of that song i realized what i was yeah. doing i actually i hit mute and was laughing <laughs> all i wanted to do was bring up like a fucking like that like the cartoons were like the the you know you see it all the time where like those yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. anime it's not your fault man they, they fucking they, they made us watch that shit a ton when we were kids <laughs> It was in like they showed just the short of that part, like in every commercial break on like Disney Channel. And it's shit. so true. Oh my god. Oh my. And I realized. Oh my god. The what that <laughs> how offensive that movie is now. It's a, it's a catchy song. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> it was a catchy song. God damn. Oh, Who wrote that jingle? Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And it wasn't Barry Dumbo on fucking Disney Plus. It wasn't Barry Manilow. Can't have Song of the South. What the fuck? Oh man. Yeah. That was fun. That was that. <laughs> there we go. There we, there go. we go. We brought Stephanie back to there life through yeah. Star Wars death. I know. I feel so bad when we have guests on, and like we were talking about stuff they don't care about. No, the worst is when it's Star Wars because it's how we always end the episode. So I know. It's just like, oh, we're just yeah. gonna kill a gas right at the very end. I know. I hate to do that because I like I love having you on, Stephanie. I really do. Oh, thank you. I like being one. No, like I, it's like uh, you know I, I I was like oh my god I, you know I try to like handpick our guests for like certain weeks and I was like I want to have Stephanie back on I want to have her back on and then I fucking. Then and then I ha- then we get into Star Wars news and then I get semi racist at the end. I re- <laughs> <laughs> this episode was tailored for. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm like I'm like I'm gonna pull no punches for Stephanie. I'm gonna give it all to her this week. <laughs> We're gonna talk about ra- racist shanties. <laughs> <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. God, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. <laughs> <sighs> and just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Peace out, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap.
Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap! Good it, toss it, good it, taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's race it, hate it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture, leftover. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftover Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers.